This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91. Afternoons with Steffi today, kicking off a week on a Monday. And of course, the day after the grand final of the NRL, that was our first our first hour. We talked grand final, what you made of the contest, a little bit about the refereeing. But, geez, how good were the Panthers? They were phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Uh, we also caught up with Michael Maguire, Kiwis head coach. The 24-strong team has been named to go over. Well, they're already there, actually, over in the UK. They have a warm-up game against Leeds, and then it's into the World Cup. Also talk rugby league with uh, Michael Karianis. He's Daily Telegraph rugby league writer on the grand final. A uh, bit about the World Cup as well with him. Uh, who else did we talk to today? Michael Goldstein, Rally New Zealand CEO, on a very successful return after a decade of the World Rally Championship back to the New Zealand shores and the chances of it coming back again. And then our Masterclass, NPC Masterclass interview. Great to catch up with Bryn Gatland. He's been phenomenal this year. Super and NPC. So good to catch up with him. We revisited Show Me The Money. Terrible week. Terrible week. Uh, I was away, and I'm, that's why I'm going to say it was. We had a look back in the day, and we played the new game, The Vault. The Vault. Tune in, listen, take part. We're going to do that Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. It's a great game. We enjoyed it. That is what's on today on the Afternoons with Staffy podcast. You're local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. Here to get you through your workday. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Welcome to a new week, everybody. It is Monday, and uh, I know Smithy's been keeping you up to date with the golf, so I'll continue to do that. Uh, by my reckoning, uh, by my reckoning, Sepp Stracker is in the house after shooting a 67. He sits on 17 under and playing the last hole. Mackenzie Hughes uh, has about three and a half feet to make it a playoff. I think I'm right in saying that. Yes, Smithy gives me a nod. Thank you, Smithy. Um, haven't been following it, but geez, 17 under. And uh, we've got Hubbard putting out. He'll finish about fifth. But it all comes down to one putt, so I'll keep you up to date with that. Should be a couple of minutes away. Let's have a look at what's coming up on the show today. 
Uh, Michael Maguire, Kiwi head coach, and what a star-studded Kiwi team we have got. I've never had so much anticipation for a World Cup as I have this year. So many informed Kiwis, and if you look at the calibre of Kiwis that haven't made the squad, I guess that's a, a view to the strength of this 24-man squad for the Rugby League World Cup. Uh, they all got there two days ago, and I think the grand final participants, of which there were six, they will get to the UK on Saturday. And I'd imagine the Penrith Panthers will be a little bit worse for wear, <laughs> rightly celebrating a wonderful grand final last night. So Michael Maguire will join the show about 2.15. Uh, Michael Goldstein, Rally New Zealand Chief Executive, uh, a very successful event run across the weekend. He'll be about 2.30, so two, two Michaels in the space of 20 minutes. Um, Bryn Gatland, hopefully, fingers crossed, will answer his phone about 3.15. He's going to be the recipient of our Property Brokers NPC Masterclass Award. I thought he was brilliant. He was brilliant in the weekend, a, a, a dominating performance. And it, you want to watch a guy that's in control of a team, you watch Bryn Gatland, just a, a measured performance, goal kicking, try scoring, the whole shebang. And they've won the right to host Auckland by beating Auckland on the points table. So they will roll their sleeves up. Battle of the bridge in a quarterfinal. Absolutely fantastic. And hopefully talking a bit of rugby league with a journalist from across the ditch at about 1.15. Looks like that putt went in. So we're going to a playoff. Yep, Stracker and Hughes into a playoff. Try and keep you up to date with that as well. Um, That is the Sanderson Farms Championship in Jacksonville. Um, 17 under the both of them. But Let's have a look at Midday Madness today. Oh, also, we will have a mastermind, and on Mondays we've made it a, a common theme, uh, the weekend of sport. There's always so much sport, so our mastermind will be the weekend of sport. Um, we'll revisit the Show Me the Money, which I wasn't a part of, and we are debuting The Vault today, a new game, The Vault. Good luck. I might. Sam runs it, but he said I can help the listener a little bit. If you heard, it's it's basically the old game of 20 questions. Sam's going to pick an event or an athlete or, or a something. And you get 10 questions, 10 yes-no questions, to try and figure out who he's talking about or what the answer is. Um, but Midday Madness today, what a grand final last night. You've probably been talking to Smithy and breakfast and it's been dominating the airwaves and so it should. What a spectacle it was. So I want to know what you made of the contest and... The Panthers are phenomenal. I think Daylight is the second best team in the NRL at the moment. I know the Panthers dropped a couple of teams, uh, dropped a couple of games during the the season proper. Um, but geez, they're good. They they just look like champions right from the go, right from the get go in that grand final. The planning, the precision, the execution. Right across the park, every single player. must have been so hard to pick a Clive Churchill medal winner because everyone played well. If you look at Brighton, I, mean, I can go through the whole, the whole team. Fantastic. Um, so in your eyes, how good are the Panthers? And if you want to talk about the officiating, actually talking to Kempe after the breakfast show, I was out in the office there and he came out and he said something that really resonated with me and it was the coaches... Uh, outplaying the referees. Like, tactically, they know how to instruct their players to get around the referees. Do you buy into that? What's your observations? The bunker? A lot of people want to get rid of the bunker. Um, I'll I'll take a slightly converse angle to that 
in that if there's a dubious try and they don't check the bunker, then the people say, why didn't you check the bunker? That's what it's there for. So officiating, the Panthers, Parramatta Eels, any of the other playoff teams, what do they have to do to close this, I think, yawning gap to the Panthers? NRL Grand Final is Midday Madness. Calls are coming in 0800 150 811. This will be a good Midday Madness. Let's go. Well, listen, Buster, you better start to move your feet to the rockinest beat of madness. Righto. Keen to hear your thoughts. First cab off the rank is Joey out of Auckland. G'day, Joey. What did you make of it? Yeah, oh, just outstanding. Pembroke were just, um, you know, they were only going to lose if they had a bad game. You know, Parramatta weren't too bad, but, but Penrith's defence was just unbelievable. And they, they all stood up and they deserve it. You know, the fullback, for me, uh, deserves to go on the tour. And you just put um, Trell Mitchell at centre. Uh, you've got to make you got to make way for Edwards now, and the only guy I'd have as a, a million dollar player is, is Cleary. Um, without a doubt, he is a million dollar player because mm. he controls everything from them. But the problem is, Steph, when you when you try to cut down, shut down Cleary, they've just got other guys there. They've got the five eight. They've got the the um, the hooker. They've got the fullback. You know, and and even Brian Tolo, he's he's come on and leaps and bounds. In the last two years, you know, put that little grubber kick through. I mean, that's just clever stuff. Um, you know, it's just unbelievable. Just think one other thing, Steph, if you could ask McGuire uh, today, coaching a side like he's going to coach the Kiwis, and they could easily win the World Cup. And yet he's had a side like the, the Tigers, who were just abysmal. I mean, it must be so hard. Crops and diamonds, it must be so hard as a coach. Just want his, his comments on on how you get around that as a coach. Mm. Um, and, and just the last question quickly, um, Auckland, if you put all the teams together in one and they played each other, we only finished seventh, Staff. I, I worked it out last night. We finished seventh out of, out of to make the top eight. We were the seventh team. And I don't think we'll beat Harbour. I really don't. I think Harbour will beat us. Um, you know, we, we finished on points, on points for, you know, um, the point situation. If you put them all in one in one section, we only finished seventh. Now I think I think that's four for Auckland, really. I mean, we're better so we're better than that, without a doubt. Yeah, I I feel what like what watching North Harbour and Auckland. I feel like North Harbour is a more collective team, a more I don't know if it's team harmony, but they seem to be. 15 guys playing collectively uh, for a common goal, whereas Auckland, still a little bit of individualism in there, if I could say that. Yeah, the problem with Auckland, mate, is their defence. And defence wins your premierships, mm. and we we leave too many points. Without, I know you've got other callers, staff, so I'll leave it to it, but, but without 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 a doubt, our defence is, is, is not up to standard to winning a premiership. And, they, and we were... Harbour will beat us, I, and I, I hope I'm an Aucklander. I hope we do beat Harbour. But um, and as for Bryn Gatlin, just quickly, um, I actually rate him quite highly now. I didn't yeah. rate him that highly up until this season, but I tell you what, he's come on and leaps and bounds. He's been playing real well. I'm exactly the same as you. I really, I thought he was a bit of a tradesman for sort of two or three years there, but this year, both Super and NPC, um, I think he's he's really matured as a player. Really enjoy watching him. Yeah, without a doubt. Fantastic. But I'll leave you to it. As I say, if you could just ask Maguire that question, what it's like to coach, you know, uh, as I said, a side that's 
been struggling, and then you get a side that possibly will go very close to winning the World Cup with what we've got. Mm. Fantastic. Brilliant, Joey. Always a pleasure, mate. Thanks for the call. And, 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 and don't worry about um, Manawa 2. They'll come right. Uh, eventually they will. Eventually they will. <laughs> Thanks, Joey. Cheers, but uh, we'll stay in Auckland. We'll talk to John. G'day, John. Yeah, g'day, g'day, Steph. Hey, that the game of footy was absolutely spectacular. If you're a Panthers fan, I mean, man, that team just—it it kind of reminded me of how, you know, when the Wallabies turned up to Eden Park, it was kind of that mantra that the Panthers had that you know you knew from ten minutes out they weren't going to lose the footy game. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's full testament to the players they have, to the coaching staff, to everyone. Uh, Phil Gould, who was there, who bring all those players through the under twenties program. Yep. Uh, when when the Toyota Cup was around and they won it, um, I think Cleary went to school with um, Papali'i and Wunivalu at St Kennegan College. He was living here with his dad. That's probably so, right. Know. What What do you make of the yeah. people that are saying, you know, Parramatta were disappointing, they just didn't turn up? I'm I'm like, they did turn up, but they, oh. they just copped one of the greatest NRL teams in the modern era. Look, Parramatta weren't allowed to play, play footy, mate. Mm. Uh, I mean, every time they got the ball, and they were 10, 20 metres out from the try line, they lost the ball because of the pressure that the Panthers were putting them under. Defensively, they were shot. I mean, uh, our our man Papa Lee, he had an awesome game. He always has an awesome game, but he was a one man one man bandwagon that you know during that game. Uh, but just quickly on the Kiwis, I'm really looking forward to this World Cup. Eh? Oh, really looking forward. Same. To it. I cannot wait. Um, I mean, look how many good teams there are. You've got New Zealand, who are probably one of the favourites. Australia still in there. Samoa. I mean, Samoa, mate. They have to be one of the favourites going into this World Cup. They've got England in the first game. And I saw at the TAB that it's a dollar eighty five each. Yeah, I saw that um, too. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got Tonga, mate. And Tonga are awesome. And then you've got PNG. Man, PNG. They can rock you anywhere they can. I mean, I don't think Tonga's ever beaten PNG. So you never know. And then mm. you've got Fiji with all their players who... You know, you've got Coruscant, you've got Kikau. You know, this has to be one of the best Rugby League World Cups I've seen. And it's all because of the system. That It's all because they all play in Australia. Yeah. I mean, if you play in the Super League, you're going to get nowhere, mate. So it's all it's all the Australian system that's helping International League get up there. And I always all right, lo- cheers, mate. Good on you. There's John out of Auckland. I always look forward to seeing the Lebanon team because there's a bit of a... Lebanese community in Australia as well. I don't know who's in that squad. I might actually have a look at, see see what sort of names have been named into the Lebanon World Cup squad. Uh, didn't Robbie Farah play for Lebanon? Thank you, Sam, with a little nod. Um, and they've had some other good players as well. One more before the break. We'll go to Bruce out of Christchurch. G'day, Brucey. Staffy, hey, mate. Hey, buddy. Hey, I'm going to um, congratulate Ryan Fox again on an outstanding um, final round and, and a win at the old course at St Andrews, Alfred Dunhill Links. What a tr- old, old, prestigious trophy that is. And he shot a 68, I think, in the final round. And he had guys behind him, Alex Noran, he had Rory McElroy. Um, uh, outstanding. He, he just... Um, He's on top of his game, and he knows 
you target certain tournaments each year, and um, by hitting a long ball, even though occasionally it doesn't quite go straight, it just gives them that much advantage. But also, I mentioned this morning, the smithy, you know, it's pretty rough weather for a bit. The wind, he, he's amazing how he works out the wind. Yeah. And that's obviously because of the amount of golf that we play in New Zealand in windy conditions. And I'm sure positive that he, you know, just the amount of golf he's had to play in, it really helps him. And he, he just is, he, he just has a knack now. He's got it mentally. He knows when to turn the screw. He knows when he's on a roll. And it's fantastic. Yeah, I, I always remember where Michael Campbell was playing in Europe uh, many years ago and Greg Turner yep. and Frank Nobler. I always looked up if what the weather was and if it was windy, I'd back the Kiwis because a lot of them, and particularly on PGA Tour as well, if it was windy over there, because the Americans play in pristine conditions 12 months of the year. Yeah, as soon that's as, right. As soon as the wind gets up, they go to bits, whereas Cambo, yeah. he used to get up and if it was windy, he'd think, oh, it's my day. It's my Rub day. Rub hands together. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, look, I think Foxy, um, you know, sets him up fantastically. He can play him whenever he wants he wants in America. But I think he'll stay in Europe. He doesn't quite have the, the top American golfers over there, you see. And it's, it's tougher to win events in the PGA. So, oh, it's, it's outstanding. I'm so happy for him. Mm. Um, and he just, it'll be great if him and... Um, Daniel Hillier can make his way through and, and join that that uh, tour next year and stay on that. Yeah, it's um, Dan, it'll, it'll Dan, be even better. Dan Hillier, I think, was fourth or fifth in the weekend, so he's now up to number seven in the rankings and the top seven. and the top yeah. twenty get through. So I'm pretty sure he's yeah. he's locked in for next year. So it'd be cool to have two on the DP World Tour. Oh, that really, really well. Um, yeah, I just stoked, absolutely stoked, and I. It's um, you know, it's a it's a result of dreams early for him to win at St Andrews. He actually got second in that event last year, believe it or not. So mm. he um, you know, he he did his homework. Mm. He was due. So yeah, really brilliant. Well done, celebrating him, Bruce. Well done. Yeah, mate. There he is, Bruce, celebrating Ryan Fox. We'll have a break. If you want to give us a call, your thoughts, um, the grand final. No one's talked about the referees yet. Um, uh, I'm a bit betwixt and between about the referees, actually. Um, the bunker, should it be there? Shouldn't it be there? I think there was a stat earlier in the year, and since the bunker came in and they went to a panel of impartials, they said, how many did they get right and how many did they get wrong? It was about 86% was right. I don't think that's high enough when you've got the bunker and all the replay angles. Um but anyway, what are your thoughts on the grand final? 0800 811, midday madness till one. Looking forward to your calls. Just an update on the sudden death playoff at the PGA Tour. Uh, Sepp Stracker hit it to about 20 feet for two. On the par four, Mackenzie Hughes found the greenside bunker um, and he hit it to about seven feet. Sepp Stracker two-putted for four, and Mackenzie Hughes got the seven-footer. So into, into the second playoff hole, still tied up. Um, now, where's Paddy's text? Staff, just remember that these Tier 2 nations will lose most of their players next year. The Rugby League eligibility rules are ridiculous, and because it's a World Cup year, they're different again. Um, from Paddy. Now, what not the rule 
that take someone like Jason Tomalolo play for the Kiwis. He can go down to Tier 2, to Tonga, which he's done, but I don't think he can go back up. So I don't know if that's changed. I don't know if you know anything about that, Sammy, whether I think you can go down, but you can't go back up to Tier 1. But here's the thing for me also, Tonga should be Tier 1. Samoa should be Tier 1. Um, who is Tier 1? Is that New Zealand, Great Britain and Australia and that's it? Pretty much, yep. Why do they even have that? Well, the tiers are, are sort of ridiculous. Um, but I don't know, Paddy, like the eligibility rules, are, are they ridiculous? We're getting some of the best international rugby league we've ever had. But he's saying it's going to change and I'm not sure what it's going to change too. Well, I don't know whether um, they have a rule around you're allowed to represent it. It's like, a, I think, in a World Cup. You can change after a World Cup. So, for example, like maybe Tomalolu can go back after a World Cup, but but I don't think they will. I don't think it's about them just doing it as a one-off. I think a lot of them have made the call, like Joseph Suwali'i, for example. I don't think he's going to go back to the Kangaroos. I think he's well and truly picked Samoa, and that's what they'll choose. This is, But can this, he go back to Australia if he wanted? Uh, that I'm not 100%. I thought they couldn't. I thought that's part of the rules they couldn't. But um, the thing that we don't understand, Steph, and I said this to Kempi last Wednesday, well, me, me, you in particular, but there will be people out there who do understand it. But, you know, that that culture, particularly of the island nations, so of your Samoas, your Tongas, PNG, Fiji, et cetera, that culture, it's, it's not about money to them. No. It's never about money. It's a bit, They get more satisfaction out of pleasing their families and their communities than they do out of the coin. So you look at a kangaroo's, Play and I'm pretty sure they get like 20k for a, for a kangaroos test or something, 20 or 30k. You know, for, for a Samoa, it's pro- you'd be lucky if you get a thousand type thing. You know, mm-hmm. they are not doing this for money. So in that regard, why would they switch back? If they're proud to to represent Samoa. So I think that ends up you end up getting a very very competitive rugby world rugby league world cup. The only people who are complaining about this are Australia and State of Origin. Yeah. Those are the only two people who really care because it affects them. And you watch State of Origin, you watch the NRL or the Australian Rugby League change their rules to say, oh, you can play State of Origin if you're playing for Samoa or Tonga because they – I still think that in Australian Rugby League, their pinnacle is State of Origin, not international. Mm-hmm. So they'll do everything they can to get the best players to play State of Origin. That's what I think. Yeah, and I think there's nothing wrong with if you're born in Samoa or if you're of Samoan descent, you're playing for Samoa internationally, but you moved to Australia when you were 10 years old and you played your club football in New South Wales or Queensland, why can't you play State of Origin, you know? Mm. I think Kimby's right in that State of Origin's going to change and it's not going to be what it is now. It'll change in five, 10 years. All of a sudden it'll be, he calls it country of origin. I don't know how that works, but... It'll be something different. Where so do you think, is he saying it won't be Queensland, New South Wales only? Will they open it up to I, a Pacific Island team and a New I, Zealand I, team? I, I don't know what Kimby's talking about when he says that, but I think <laughs> what I think will happen is I think they'll open it up to say you don't, you can represent an international team outside of Australia, but we play, so Kiwis, if you play, grew up in New Zealand playing rugby league here, went through the Warriors system, played for the Warriors, you probably wouldn't be eligible for State of Origin. So someone like Fisher-Harris? Uh, well, yeah, Born yeah, and raised correct. here, but went to Australia yeah. to play rugby 100%. Benji's another good example, right? Went over there for high school, um, played over, I can't remember the name of the high school he played for, then went into the West system. So um, he would be someone who would be eligible to play, to, to play State of Origin. And still play for the Kiwis if they change their Because State of Origin is still relative. Like, this isn't a competition that's been going on for 100 years. 
right? It's still relative. It's 40 years old, yeah. which is a long time. But it's, you know, I don't think it's steeped in 100 years of history where you have to come from New South Wales. You have to come from Queensland, you know? Mm. Yeah. Give us a call on, jeez, uh, eligibility. That's interesting. So let's, let's. I've said grand final, but let's just make it rugby league. Uh, we'll take a break. We've got new sport and weather with Karen. I see you call there, Sean. Just hang around for a couple of minutes, buddy. And we'll be back with Sean and any other calls. 0800 150 811, Midday Madness, Rugby League till one. <laughs> They're on the second playoff hole in the PGA Tour. It is the Sanderson Farms Championship. If you've been following it, Mackenzie Hughes has just hit it to about four, six feet for birdie. And uh, Sepp Stracker has just hit it to the apron. So he's going to be about 20 feet. Keep you up to date with that. Back to the phone lines we go. The grand final, eligibility, whatever you want on the 13-man code of Rugby League. G'day, Sean. Thanks for holding on. Yeah, no worries. Hey, um, unless the rules have changed, my understanding is that they can't change between Tier 1, but they can go up and down between Tier 1 and 2 nations. So uh, a, lot of, a lot of Australians go and play for, obviously, you know, whatever, you know, Tonga, Samoa and, and the likes, but will be eligible for Australia straight after the World Cup. It's a bit Mickey Mouse, but they're trying to... I suppose they're trying to make it a bit more um, user-friendly, I guess, for, you know... For, for the sides. Um, that's not why I've rung. Um, why I've actually rung is obviously the Penrith juggernaut, which I can't see um, stopping anytime soon. I had some, some concerns for rugby league, actually, because you know, my understanding around the way that the salary cap works is clubs like the Warriors and the Tigers and that, they have to use, I think it's about 90% of their salary cap, so you, you, you end up getting players that are overpaid and with there being obviously um, you know no no system as far as a draft system, um, we're finding the top sides you know getting stronger. Now we know Penrith, you know we know Penrith have obviously got an amazing junior talent, um, you know winning all three grades. Um, I bet they're sort of kicking themselves over Ivan Cleary and the fact we could have both the Clearys uh, with the Warriors. But I, I I have serious concerns because you know with there being no trade system, there, there's nothing you know. Even if one club had, you know, an unlimited salary on one player, might share the talent around. But um, you know, let's be honest: the Warriors aren't going to, you know, get, get, you know, recruit their way out of trouble. And I don't think the domestic competition is probably good enough for instant success. So I, I, I do wonder, you know, uh, you know, what this competition is going to look like in four, five, ten, fifteen, twenty years, um, when when you've basically got. You know, a salary cap that's uh, uh, fairly flawed, in my opinion. Yeah, the interesting thing is, like, let, let's say you've got a $300,000 player at Canberra, right? And Penrith offered him two fifty, and the Warriors offered him three fifty. Where does he go? Where's the tipping point for performance and team and culture and all of that and money? And you're right. The teams down the bottom, Gold Coast, Wests, Warriors – have to pay over. So you're paying for a player and hoping you can make them into something special. Yeah, so unless you can actually produce players, which, you know, like even in New Zealand with the massive catchment areas, we don't have we don't have the domestic competition to actually get them ready for NRL football. That's been proven. I mean, unfortunately, there's just a history of, of players that, that have, you know, been brought up through the world and gone elsewhere and been better players. I don't think... Our coaching probably, you know, 
good enough. I mean, all good luck to, to Webster. I hope he's amazing, um, you know, because we would all like to see that. But I think it's a lot deeper than that. You know, the way the competition is is made, the, you know, the strong Sydney clubs, the likes of Melbourne, you know, now the likes of Penrith, you're going to find that those sides are always going to be in the top four, top five, whereas a truly, you know, a, a truly instant competition, in my opinion, is a competition that shares, you know, the premierships around. And mm. I can honestly see Penrith having, you know, having a stranglehold on the, the you know, potential. Where, you know, they're going to be in the top four probably for 10 years because, yeah. you know, it's, it's, people will just come for less. And, I mean, as long as you've got the best bar in the world, and put, you know, we already know that that's a, a massive difference. Other players are going to come for less money because you know the idea is to win premierships. So I mean, I don't know what that does to the likes of the Tigers and, as you say, Gold Coast, the Warriors. I mean, I mean, I mean how do we make it that those sides have you know a glimmer of hope to, to get a star player? Because you know the Warriors have not had a star player since Roger Tuivasa Sheik. But I mean, the, the talk is if he does come back to rugby uh, league. He won't come to the Warriors because we can't afford him because we've spent overs on players that are bit part players at best, you know, and, that, and that, that's the sad part about it. Whereas if you had an unlimited salary cap on one player per team, it means you might have the option of, of bringing someone like that back and every every club would have a marquee player rather than, you know, you look at the likes of Melbourne, you look at the likes of Penrith and, and vice versa, all those clubs have three or four marquee players, to be honest. So, um yeah, I think there's a fair bit of work to be done. Mm. Great chat, Sean. Thanks for calling. All good, Daffy. Catch you, mate. Cheers, buddy. Sean, out of Auckland, we go to Parapara Umu. Talk to Zane. G'day, Zane. G'day, Staffy, mate. Good to talk to you the first time in a while. Yeah, good to hear you. Yeah, mate. Um, hey, um, interesting, actually. Um, Sean's discussion there kind of took me off on a bit of a tangent in my own mind of what I was actually planning to talk about. Um, first point, like, you know, grand final... Penrith, absolutely relentless, bloody, reminded me of the ABs in that um, prime period we had a few years back where they were just a level above everyone else, and I think they showed that, you know, Pen- uh, uh, Eels probably were the second best team in the comp, but light and day, light and day difference. Um, but yeah, the eligibility thing you're talking about there, for me, it's just such a convoluted argument mm. that the Aussies are saying... They don't want Kiwis and Poms in the state of origin because it ruins the integrity of the you know state versus state thing. Yet it's at least a third of the players are this year playing for Island Nations. So for me, I think the answer is if you're in Australia from the age of 13, registered with the ARL, you sign a, um, a document saying which state you align yourself with and pretty much after that you play for whichever country you want to. Um, otherwise, it just gets too convoluted for me. Yeah. Yeah, it's too many governing bodies, too many governing, like there's World Rugby League, there's Australian Rugby League, and there's the NRL, and they all want the best players playing for them. That's the problem. Well, the problem is the World Rugby League's got nothing. It's the, the ARL and the NRL's the ones with all of the money, so they pretty much dictate everything. They'll do what's best for them. But um, And that kind of leads me on to the, the topic Sean was talking about with the um, cap. I think... Penrith is a clear example of the only way to build sustainable success is through um, development, not recruitment. Yeah. You've got maybe, you know, the, the Melbournes, um, what else, East, Penrith, are probably the main clubs who can recruit based on reputation now and pay less to get people there. The rest of us, we just have to learn to, to develop like Penrith. Have, you know, 10 years ago, they were as bad as the Warriors. 
but you know they won every junior comp this year plus the top comp and I think that we've got the ability to do that now that we're getting our own teams back in the, the um, two or three junior comps from next year it might take you know three or four years but um, that's the only way we're going to get success we'll never be able to buy it mm. I almost I want it to take four or five years because if it takes one, it won't be sustainable because that'll just be checkbooks and getting players at the top. And I, I just think four or five year development will be more sustainable for another four or five, won't it? Because you're, you're developing 100%. something. Yeah. Cool so zone. Webster there is behind that development of parents. So it gives me hope. <laughs> we've always got hope, mate. Always got hope. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Cheers, buddy. That's about all we've got sometimes, isn't it? Hope. Uh, one more before the break. Graham, g'day, bud. Hi, mate. How are you? Very well. That's the story. Um, Penrith, why are they so good? Um, well, it was only three years ago that we were saying who the hell was going to be able to beat the storm. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's a professional thing going on. So, um, but, um, you know, imagine if um, you look at that um, New Zealand League team that's just been named. Imagine if we had those players all at the Warriors. Oh, amazing. <laughs> It'd be amazing. I know. And it's their competition that does it, mate. It's, that's what it is. We haven't got their competition. You know, it's a development ground over there um, and the professionalism of all the clubs and all that. But, um, yeah, I 100% agree with you with Bryn Gatlin. Um, did you see his little um, kick-off um, um, from halfway? Yeah. And he just... Dribble the ball, just thinking. He is thinking, thinking, and he is fitter than he's ever been by the looks. Um, but um, I was going to ring you last week, and because um, um, last week, before, before, before last weekend, Auckland played uh, Canterbury, and a young reserve came on for Auckland. I don't know whether you saw it, a guy, Tipuni, and they said the 19 year old for Palmerston North Boys High School. Oh, don't start talking to me about leakage out of Palmerston North. Nine. Nine schoolboy players are leaving Palmy. Most of them to Canterbury and a couple to Hawke's Bay. Far out. Mm. Yeah, well, this guy was... T- I think they said he was a reserve hooker. Um, but he came on for uh, for a bit and uh, yeah, it looked all right. 19 years old, Palmy's all right. Yeah, it's a great breeding ground. It's a great breeding ground, but they leave school and they leave Palmy. Uh, mind you, I did as well. <laughs> Good morning. You can them. <laughs> See ya, buddy. Graham, uh, usually out of wire rapper, not sure where he was today. We'll have a break. We've got three calls on hold. Uh, just stick with us, team, and we'll be back after a break. Welcome back in. Uh, we're going to Dunedin. We're going to talk to Dino. G'day, Dean. Yes, Steph, good to hear from you. You too. What a weekend, eh? Huge a weekend. weekend. I, I loved it. Same, mate. Same. I mean, the, the, the Stags didn't have their best day out, but at the end of the day, that's that's the way it is. We'll accept that. They've had a pretty good season, really, considering. So they'll build, hopefully, and um, just get stronger. But for me, the game that just blew me away was the Waikato Bay of Plenty game. Like the passion in that game, it was. It just sums up why the MPC. I don't know if we need Super Rugby, mate. I, honestly, that just. I couldn't believe why Cato come back like that. Like I thought they would, but I, you know, you don't actually believe it until you sit there watching it. And this is going to happen. Mm. And then D Max the kicker conversion. If that's not the World Cup starting ten, I'll eat my hat. That's what you want. That's the same sort of pressure. You want that kick going over. Mawanga, him, that'd be my ten. I, I loved it. And the grand final. That's what it was all about. Was just getting to the grand final. But I support Penrith, so I suppose. 
I was over the moon with the way they played. I don't really follow much league, to be fair. I, I love the grand final. I, I watch every state of origin because it's just next level. But the performance of that entire team and that one tackle that we fullback done and to see his teammates come and grab him, yeah. that's why we watch sport. That's why we play sport. But the thing that I really noticed, I don't know their names. Like I say, I, I got the jumper, so I support Penrith. But the number 10... I just thought he had a hell of a game, but the arms on him, like, I don't under, like, Joseph Parker, for me, I don't know what sort of training he does, or, like, he's tough, he's, he's got to be tough, but he, that number, I want him to look like that number 10, with the same ability, and then, oh my God, we got, we got a serious title something there, like, he just doesn't have any definition in his arms, and he's got a big bunch, I don't quite understand the training, or how, he looks the way he looks. Do you know what I mean? Well, that number 10 for Penrith, mm. put Joseph Parker's boxing technique into that guy's physique, yeah. and you've got something frightening. Yeah, he's always struggled to put muscle on, and I don't know whether that was an intentional not put muscle on, because that's been a criticism of Anthony Joshua over the years, is he's too muscle-bound, because you lose a bit of, bit of speed with being muscle-bound, and... Um, I guess Joseph Parker, um, he's never had a big chest. He's never had a defined chest, Joseph Parker. I still an incredible New Zealand. Like, I'm proud of like, We're so lucky. Like, we've got young Ryan over there doing what he's doing, and he just, he does it almost with nonchalant ease, if you know what I mean. Like, he's not big-headed. He's not big-noted. He just, if he has a bad day, he just hand up. Yeah, I didn't go so good to back nine. I was there, and nah, that's what it is. And he gets up the next day and he has another crack, you know. Like, it's it's just good to see now that he's got a bit in the bank that he doesn't have to worry about the family so much. He can sort of concentrate on just doing what he's damn good at. You know mm. what I mean? Like, he doesn't have that. I don't know. I mean, he's got to go to that other Dubai thing, whatever it is, and just cash his chips. And I would have thought, but <laughs> he's still incredibly well. Yeah. And don't you think? Like, I mean, it. I wouldn't blame. Lucky. I wouldn't blame him if he if he did. I think in. Um... I think in four or five years, uh, the stigma around LOV golf won't be there as much as it is now. But Dino, we've got one more call to get away before a break. Good to hear from you, buddy. Um, and one more, and that is our weekend reporter, Zaid, the life member. G'day, Zaid. G'day, uh, Staffy. Um, yeah, Auckland uh, split their way into the finals. But, um, if we're going uh, to shut down Talia and City Delay. Um, those guys have just been insane this year. They do pretty much have the best back three in the comp, Sean Stevenson as well, to add. But, um, yeah, Auckland, they had a mad comeback in the weekend. They were down 17-3 and um, came back to win 30-28-24. Um, was a good game. Um, Lamb looks pretty good. But I think we've been missing um, Zahn Sullivan. He's been injured for quite a while now, and he's been a big loss for um, Auckland. And um, Jordan Trainer and Tulsi Ryasi have been playing in the fullback position. Not, not quite cutting it as much as someone like Isaiah Sullivan. Um, Pembroke Panthers do what Pembroke Panthers do. Um, Brian Toto, to me, he was one of the players of the match. Also, Dylan Edwards. Uh, Stephen Crichton looked real well. Um, Mason Clary, too strong. That's what he does. Um, but you did say there is a team, I don't know if they can beat them right now, but they have been the best for the last few years, maybe the Panthers have overtaken them, was, has been the sport, obviously, but maybe the Panthers have overtaken them now. Mm. Um, and uh, there was um, the 
the New Zealand women's football um, goalkeeper yesterday for Aston Villa. She has four saves, four penalty saves in the game. Um, I'm not sure if you saw it, but it was on the news last night. And yes, she saved four four penalties in a penalty shootout. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, um, I don't know if anyone's ever Anna Lee. I think her name was. I don't think that's ever yeah, yeah, been. That's it, yeah, I, I don't know for a fact, but I'd be surprised if that's ever been done before. Uh, remarkable, remarkable. Yeah, uh, Zay, we've got 30 seconds left. Did you watch UFC yesterday? Yeah, it wasn't the best. No, it wasn't a great card, was it? I think you should have submitted it, though. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, I do yeah, too. I did. All right, buddy, we've well, got a scoop. Thank you. Awesome to hear from Wait. you. Zay, our life member on Afternoons with Staffy, brought to you in association with Gull, fueling your mission all year round. Back in a moment. I don't quite know how this text got onto the Temper Bear Post text machine because it came in yesterday at 20 past five and it's from our good friend Graham of Marlborough, formerly of Northland. But it reads, Hey staff, I'm not going to be able to contact you this week as I'm heading to Rarotonga for a few days and I just wanted to say I'm stoked for my mighty Tanifa making the playoffs. They deserve it after all the lean years. And I'm sorry Manawatu didn't have the best of seasons even though they played some pretty good footy. I thought uh, I thought something have a good week. And I'll have a lazy beer by the pool for you. Up the mighty Tanifa. All you Tanifa fans, absolutely tremendous season. Low on resource, low on costs, high on energy, high on passion, high on representing your province. Couldn't be happy for you, the Cambridge Blue Boys out of Northland. We will take a break, and on the other side, I'm going to quiz Sammy about all his bets. Someone texted in as well, saying he, he went crazy on the GF, so we'll do that after one. Captain K on the music tools. Captain K. Actually, we haven't done the official welcome to Captain K. True. Yeah, we haven't done the big unveiling. The big unveiling. So, Captain K. Do I have any... What kind of music do I have here? Mm. Nah, nothing, unfortunately. <laughs> nothing that fits Captain <laughs> nothing, K? Nothing that works. Uh, the Godfather music. That ain't going to work. <laughs> uh, no, I've got nothing, sorry. Nothing. Breaking news? <laughs> Breaking... Yeah. Go on. Breaking news, developing stories. And in much of the same vein as the Ian Foster, John Plumtree, Brad Moore, um, changed into Jason Ryan and Joe Schmidt. Sure. Captain K joins the coaching team of the afternoons with Staffy. Yeah, as the Richie McCaw of, uh, <laughs> of producing. 
and we've got him here. Very lucky to have him. Yep, so it's uh, just a, a shifting of the furniture here at SCNZ, uh, giving people different challenges, different different goals, different duties. Captain K, uh, formerly of breakfast, uh, you didn't have to set your alarm for 3.30 this morning, and you haven't thanked us. Look, I'll tell you what, I got to stay up and watch the grand final. <laughs> That's yeah. what dreams are made of, yeah, mate. you get to watch but sport now. That's it one of was the... so... I was still, though, freaking out at about 10.30, being like, oh, I've got to get up in the morning. Like, this is going to be so bad and so hard. And then I checked my alarm and it was set for seven. <laughs> Couldn't believe it. Like, it's what dreams are made of. Absolute miracle. But no, you're happy to have signed on. Signed on a nice little extension here uh, till 2035 with Afternoons with Steffi. <laughs> yeah, I'll say, unlike Abby Coruscant, we did have the money for you. Uh, <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself, Kieran. <laughs> <laughs> What do you get up to on your weekends, mate? Uh, oh, I've actually just been up to Raglan. Watched a bit of the rally up there. Up, up to Raglan. Oh, no. sorry, sorry. Look, Rukaka. okay. Here's, here's one thing you've got to learn. Right, this is what they used to do to me on breakfast as well. Joey, Joey Manu and I as well. They used to give us so much slack about our geography knowledge. Yeah. In year thirteen, and year twelve, and year eleven, I got not achieved in all of my geography. <laughs> I'm, I'm just like I can't, I can't put them together. So I say, head up. Heading down, oh, I do with the wrong ones. Sure. So I went down he, to Raglan. But was it? At, he said it was at Raglan. I think it wasn't at Raglan, was it? The WRC? No. What on Friday? No. No, it wasn't. Oh, at Raglan. maybe. It, no, they was might. Was it have, at Raglan? It, well, well, what what was I watching then? I it saw was on the, SVG. It was in the domain, wasn't it in the domain on Friday? Thursday, it was at the domain. Oh, wasn't okay. Friday, Friday and I thought I thought the whole rally was north of Auckland, but no, that was down in Waikato as well. Oh, well, then maybe it was Raglan. Yeah, then. yeah. So th- I didn't actually get to watch any rallying in Raglan because it was in the city centre. Was where I was. You just did you just call Raglan a city centre? Oh, for goodness! <laughs> what, what, what do I call? I was at the shops the metropo- in Raglan. Metropolis. You know, I was. <laughs> did you buy an oat milk cappuccino and buy a tie-dyed T-shirt? No. No, they wouldn't drink oat milk at no, Raglan, that, That's what they? I was going to say. I didn't oh, want to be surfers too just, Surfers are just long black, like just straight <laughs> projected into the veins. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I ordered a mocha and I heard someone giggle under their breath. <laughs> yeah, like, so they, they knew straight away that I, was, that I was from Auckland. Because that's, like, that's what Sam orders as well. Used to, used to. Used to. You're a hot Can I ta- Just quickly, I, Katie got these um, chocolate-covered bean, uh, coffee beans. Oh, I like those. Yeah. <sighs> Poison. So yeah. I, I had a couple, right? And it's like the first you eat them, yeah. Oh. It's like the first time I've had sort of coffee, caffeine in like a year. And um, yeah, look, there was a reason, more than one reason why I was up late last night. It wasn't just the grand final. Mm. The, the coffee was done as well surging. Yeah, I did, I did everything. I did the lawns, I did the laundry, <laughs> um, paid my taxes, did everything. <laughs> You did something else, which I'm going to touch on as well. So it's a big welcome to Captain K. Thank Fe- you very much. Feel free to welcome Captain K uh, from breakfast into the afternoons on double eight double three. Do welcome, we get a, welcome him in. Do we get a taste of his laugh? Look, um, that's that's the one thing he needs to work on. Now Neeps, who's been with us for about a year, um, his laugh was it was a big part of the show. Yeah. Uh, people loved it. People hated it. Um, people just said Neeps laughed at stuff that wasn't even funny, which is great for me because my jokes aren't funny, but Neeps always <laughs> laughed at them. <laughs> he did make you feel good. Yeah. He did make you feel good. So uh, we wish Neeps all the very best with his three o'clock alarms and um, his prone to dislocate shoulders. So he's on breakfast. We've got Captain Kate. So awesome to have, uh, have a good crew together. Now, Sam, we had a text through. Can I find it? Here it is from Carl. Hi guys, how did Sammy's multis on the final go? He was throwing them out there on Friday and he mentioned Crichton and To'o. Carl, now I don't know the answer, but I know that you you 
you went gangbusters on the grand final, Sam. Can you talk yep. us through how many bets do you reckon you had? Like um, you, you, you don't bet a lot. Like you don't put on fifty dollar bets and all that sort of stuff. No, you're, you're a five dollar guy. I am. Yeah, I'm a I'm a small small um, speculator. Small speculator, correct. And I just do it to to keep things interesting. So you're right. I uh, I threw out a lot of lines in the. You know how sometimes you go down to the wharf. And they're just those guys who have about fifty rods, and it's really annoying because no one else can throw their rod. And just one, and he just walks sort of between them, just tug it. That was me on uh, last night. How so, many do you reckon you had? Oh no, 12? only yeah, maybe twelve. Okay, yeah, about twelve. Um, well, I tell you what, <clears throat> some of them actually. Can I just get? Can I just get them up? Yeah. Um, so first and foremost, I will take this time to apologise to you and everyone in New Zealand for convincing you to go for. Field goal, field goal in the first half because that was all all done and dusted after about ten minutes, right? You when knew they weren't going to have a go. No, and draw at halftime was the other one that skunked me. Yeah, well, I I, th- I thought it was actually quite a good tip, so I was happy to give it, but it didn't work out. <clears throat> there was a big, big long one I gave out on Friday, which was Cleary to win the Clive Churchill Targo first try scorer, Cleary top point scorer, a draw at halftime, and Penasini anytime try scorer at five hundred and one dollars. <laughs> that was silly. That was stupid. I don't know where I was going with that. Um, there were heaps of little ones. I had, a, I had Panthers 13 plus, Toto, Targo, and Luai all to score a try in Edwards, Clive Churchill at 67. I Ooh. thought that one was actually quite tasty. One of my same game multis was, and I'm very close to this, over 34.5 points in the game. Penrith, Penrith first to three tries. Yes. Penrith 9 plus winning margin. Yes. Brian Toto, anytime try scorer. Yes. Isaac Targo, anytime try scorer. Oh. Yeah. And he came he came quite close at one on one occasion, but but not to be I was really bullish on Targo scoring. But then there were two staff and I texted you. I was texting the boys during the game and I said, um boys, all my bets are dead. I, I I tried to cover all my bases. The only base I didn't cover was Penrith just absolutely killing them and Toto basically being the only person scoring tries. Um so two when Penrith scored in the last ten minutes, they Parramatta. scored. Sorry, P- Parramatta scored in the last ten minutes, two tries. I thought I'd better go back and see um, if any are still in play because I feel like I had a couple in play. So this one was in play. Panthers one to twelve. Staines and Crichton anytime try scorer. Dylan Edwards, Clive Churchill medalist, and under forty two and a half points in the game at one hundred and one bucks. That was. On the cards with, you know, a minute, two minutes to play. Um, but the one that came in, and uh, very happy you with this. You got one. I did get one. The one that came in, and funnily enough, this was my hall pass. I put the $20 hall pass bonus bet on this one. Oh, so if you didn't have the hall pass, you probably would have put five on it. Correct. So 20 bucks went on. Panthers to win 11 or 20. Yeah. Under 47 and a half points in the game. Yeah. Stephen Crichton, anytime try scorer. And what a try. Dylan Edwards, Clive Churchill medalist at 34 bucks. And I put Shut 20 on gate. it. I put 20 on it. Yep. Shut the gate. And um, I tell you what. Dylan Edwards. Yeah. So so here's the thing. I When we were talking on Friday, and I've just obviously watched a lot over the weekend, read a lot, I became more and more confident that actually yeah, Dylan Edwards is a really good shout for Clive Churchill. And I think someone raised a really good point. Voter fatigue. So the fact that Cleary and Yo always get the plaudits, naturally I think your subconscious bias is to think of somebody else. And because Edwards had been their best player all year, he had sort of missed out on Daly and fullback of the year, I think he might have been top of mind. So, you know, he ran for close to 300 metres, had that amazing try-saving uh, tackle, I think he got two try assists. So I'm looking at that bet at the full time going, 
if they don't give Edwards the Clive Churchill, I'm flying to Australia and finding out who voted on that, <laughs> and I will give them a right dust-up. Uh, but they ended up giving it to him, so I was, I was absolutely pumped, staff. But you look at that and go, you know, one from 12, not a good conversion rate. But six hundred back from what fifty invested or probably I had a bunch of bonus bets yeah so and I actually ended up with a bunch of bonus bets because of the all the same game multis that I missed out on by missed one by one yeah oh. so happy yeah happy it was a great day and I, but did you hear about the um, five thousand dollar you know people got the five grand from the All Blacks margins oh yeah look I heard it uh, who was it Moadi on the breakfast show Izzy and Kempi yeah. for breakfast this morning and um, I. I saw they put a was either a story on Instagram or Facebook showing what people had taken. Yep. There was some Penrith head to heads. Mm-hmm. You have some Penrith point starts. Yep. Yeah, thirteen plus. Then the one that broke my heart was someone put the five k on Cleary to win the Clive Churchill. Oh, because because you could easily sit at the end of that game and be annoyed that Cleary didn't get it. See, or I thought I didn't get it. Or, I thought you know? he was going to get it. Like, yeah. <clears throat> and I admit I fell asleep about ten minutes before the end. But bef- the, the last memory was. They'll just give it to Cleary because, you know, the standoff, uh, sorry, the halfback or standoff just have to have a reasonable game and, you, and they seem yeah. to get it. Yeah, bang on. And and it's, you know, it's. But the your big voter name. fatigue one is a really, really I've, good point. It was a great point. Someone made that to me. Yeah, I thought that was actually a really good shout. And so what I did, I, I just looked for power plays that had um, Dylan Edwards as the Clive Churchill. And that's why I went to that. There was that 1 to 12 one. Um, and then there was the 11 to 20. And so I, and, and at that point, I'd used all my money. So I just had the bonus bet left. So it's almost like. Parramatta won you those bets. They did. They actually did. Not they didn't Penrith. score 100%. <laughs> I was super glad they scored in the last 10. And let's be honest, like Penrith just lost concentration, right? With 10 minutes to go, they were partying on the sideline. Ivan Cleary was down there with Brandy having a hug. Penrith had taken the foot off the off the gas because they the tries that they led in were sort of relatively weak, right, for their defensive effort mm. throughout the night. Someone... Dan Talentire actually messaged me this morning and because um, I asked him if he wanted to come on. He's flat out with Kangaroos today. Um, they're naming their squad. And he just said, mate, I genuinely think that per- that Penrith are a lock for top four for the next 10 years. Yeah. And it's hard to argue. It's hard to argue. Salary cap, there will be a point where um, they'll have to keep Cleary probably on a mill. Then someone like Lou will probably be demanding you know, six, seven hundred, and then you'll get other guys in underneath like Fisher Harris, like Dylan Edwards, et cetera, who will start to demand a little bit more. And you're already seeing it with um, obviously Kikau and Coruscant both leaving and Coruscant saying it's just a money thing. If Penrith could have paid me, I would have stayed. So you, and those are big losses, Steph. See, I, Coruscant. I, I was talking earlier about tipping points for a player if you're a $300,000 player, but Penrith say will take you for 250 yep. or Gold Coast say will take you for 350 Where is it? There's another tipping point I want to talk about at some stage as well. Penrith, how many marquee players when you were champion? How, how many can you afford to keep and having eight not quite championship guys but will be lifted by the performance of the other guys? That's the balancing act these big clubs oh, Yeah, and the funny thing is when you look at a team like, who's a good example of this? I was thinking maybe Souths. There are teams that have a number of marquee... Oh, Roosters actually a good example. They have a number of marquee big-name players. And it allows you to win maybe one or two or three. You talked about the short-term thing last hour. It allows you to win one, two, three. The thing with Penrith is, I would say almost no one in that team is mar- is marquee in and of themselves. Maybe oh, Nathan Cleary, Nathan is, Cleary. Is, the, is, the, is the exception to the rule, is the marquee. 
Now, you'd say that's ridiculous, Sam. Lou Wise probably a marquee. Fisher-Harris is probably... No, no, no. They are good in that Penrith side. Not saying they wouldn't be good elsewhere, but they've built that. But this is the problem in a salary cap competition, is that whether you're the Roosters and you buy guys in and you win a title every two or three years, or you're the Panthers and you build it up from the ground, it will get to a point for the Panthers. They might win two or three more staff, but it'll get to a point where they can't afford to keep that unit together, guys will start leaving, and the quality of the side will start dropping again. That will happen, mm. which is this is the beauty of a salary-capped competition. It's a beautifully, last. this top Penrith side is a beautifully pieced together, manufactured team. Hundred percent, it? it is, but but it won't, but it can't last mm. forever. The other thing I want to know is that the coaching structure for these lesser teams. Who who's in and around that? Who are, who are some of the players in and around? Maybe we could get to Penrith at some stage this week and just talk about their club structure. Oh, you mean as in like the coaches of the under-20s? And yeah, the, yeah. Well, didn't um, Craig Gower say he was helping out with the SG ball yes, side? Yes, he and did then, say, yeah. yeah. so I'm sure that's those sorts of those sorts of names. But you, it's a good point. We could, yeah. I mean, the, the, the interview the interview we all want, we've been chasing him for running it straight. We've been tracing him. The interview everyone wants is Phil Gilt, right? Because he'll tell you that. He'll mm. tell you how it all works and how, how they built it. Um, it's the golden question, which is, you know, all eyes on the Bulldogs for, to see how whether or not he has the same influence on them in five to six, seven years' time. Mm, mm. Imagine just Penrith Bulldogs grand final every year for five years. <laughs> I loved them when they were the dogs of war. I did yeah. enjoy watching them. And you just, they were like, they were like a team fueled on diesel taking mm. on LPG cars. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what it was like. They just relentless with bull bars and didn't have a great top speed, but they could just pull trucks yeah. uphill. They tough. That dogs of war mentality. I just it really resonated with me. I don't know. I don't know if that it ex- if you could do that nowadays, right? You probably like, couldn't. The game's too quick. Mm. A lot of sport is like that as well. You know. Um, I guess even rugby, right? Like, would you argue Fords are getting more mobile? Much as opposed, more mobile. Yeah, much more mobile as opposed to just big burly men. I, I know, you know, I talk about this a lot with you. You know, in ice hockey, it used to be you'd have these goons that would just go out and destroy guys and they couldn't even skate or play hockey. You can't do that anymore. You have to be skillful. It's about speed. It's about skill. So, mm. yeah. A lot of text messages I've got to get through, but I'll take a break and I'll run you through those. There's some absolute rippers. Always welcome to text us on double eight double three, the Temper Beer Post text machine. And remember on Friday, we ran a, was it Midday Madness? I think it was Midday Madness Friday. And we said text through, no, call through. You had to call with your score, your predicted score. And I was amazed at how many people had an odd number. A lot of people thinking there'd be a field goal. We said to text through, Sorry, call through your score. We're going to contact the winner, hopefully they'll answer their phone, of the Afternoons with Staffy sweepstake, and you'll be amazed how close a run race it was. After the break, the sweepstake champion. Right, as we mentioned on Monday, we had a big sweepstake, and Sammy, um, I was amazed at the commonality of the scores. Everyone had Penrith by, you know, sort of that 10 to 16 range. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, look, well, decent spread. Some people um, had it quite close, and then some people had it further out. Now, the end score, of course, 28-12. So sure. we had three people that predicted it to within one point. Really? Right? Leonard from Taranaki, who predicted the Panthers 29 points to 12. Oh. So he's out by one. Then we had Brett from Huntley, who predicted 27-12. Out one by out. one. And Carrie from Manawatu, who predicted... 27 
to 12. Wow. So uh, all of them are on a three-way tie. So then we went to the anytime try scorer um, tiebreaker, tie right, which was a great initiative by you, Steph. I didn't think we need it. We absolutely did. Uh, Leonard from Taranaki uh, took Jerome Luai. Mm. Eh. Good game. Great game, actually. No try. I, I thought at halftime he was a Dally M. He was up there. Um, Brett from Huntley went, Mike Sivo. Oh, and he dropped the ball over dropped the line. Dropped it stone cold. I tell you what, that would have ruined a lot of multis, that drop ball Oof. over the line. Oof. And he was Oof. gutted. And uh, Kerry from Manawatu, Charlie Staines. Try. Try. He scored, the, I think he scored the third one. Oh, so fantastic. Kerry, so Kerry is on the line from Manawatu. Kerry, you're champion. Did you think you might have won it? Uh, I knew I'd had a, I knew I'd be in the, uh, in the, in the circle. <laughs> You're just lucky no one took so, 28. A couple of 27s and a 29. So you, my friend, win a $100 lifestyle focus voucher. Awesome. I was waiting for a drop goal. <laughs> I was going to say, Carrie, you didn't go out and uh, you should have backed yourself on that bet at the TAB. I don't know if there was a an option to pick like a, a 15 point margin or whatever, but uh, you could have made yourself a little bit of money there, as well as the lifestyle focus voucher. <laughs> yeah, well, I did put money on Staines and um, Stephen Crichton for first try score, so I got that as well. Oh, wow. Oh, Great tip. You'd have had a bonza weekend, Carrie. Well done. Uh, stay on the line. I'll get Kez to get the details off your $100. Lifestyle Focus Voucher. Uh, thank them. Um, we do thank them for joining in the show with us today. So that, w- that was an amazing that was an amazing result that uh, so many people got so close. A couple of text messages to get to. Um, has anyone won three premierships in a row? Penrith could be the first. I don't know. The only ones that might have might have been Souths back in the day when they had. I still think they've won the most premierships of all clubs. Is they have, Souths. yeah. Um, of, of sort of rugby league, not NRL, but not rugby. NRL of rugby league. So maybe they've they've won like back in the twenties. They won like seven in a row or something. Mm. So that's been done. But. Dan, Dan has texted and said thanks to the twenty dollar NRL bonus bet. So this is his hall pass. He took all head to heads. Uh, the Panthers, the Panthers B team. The Knights Woman, Auckland, Wellington, Harbour, Northland, Canterbury. And you got 133 bucks. Beautiful, Dan. Well done. Staffy, did you listen to Kempe's off the back fence? I agree with him. While the Panthers were good, were too good, the officiating was very poor. Luai kicking a player on the ground and Grant Atkins is Cleary's brother in law, and he was in the bunker. Makes it easier. Um didn't know he's his brother in law. That seems a little bit like, he, Grant, that can't be right. Grant Atkins got a lot of comment on Twitter last night during the game. So maybe they were, I, I don't nah, know. They that. can't be right that they're related, though. I don't know. Um, the Eels actually won 81, 82, 83. Did they? a hat-trick in 81, 82. And then the next closest to that would have been the Broncos, who won in 92, 93. Uh, oh, sorry, no, uh, 97, 98. Didn't win in 99, won in 2000. So three and four years. Wow. Yeah. And one more uh, says, afternoon staff, the Minnow nations like Lebanon, Italy, Ireland, etc., name their World Cup team after the Kangaroos. So anyone that doesn't make it into the Kangaroos will be picked. Uh, people like Mitch Moses or Adam Dewey will likely miss out on the Australian selection and will be picked for Lebanon. Interesting, interesting. We're actually going to um, 
head uh, after the news. So we'll have a quick chat with the TRB and we're going to talk to Michael Karianis. He's the Daily Telegraph Rugby League writer, the wash-up of the grand final. And the kangaroos are being picked today. I don't know if it's been done quite yet, but it is being done today. But stick with us. We're going to have news, sport and weather with a very interesting NRL story coming up from Karen. Well, a big old weekend, so much sport going on. Paulie Mawari, only one highlight from the whole weekend for me. Can you guess? The Māori Tanifa. Up you get into the playoffs, boys. <laughs> Up you get. <laughs> and that's why you should listen to the staff man uh, on SENZ afternoons because... <laughs> Uh, he tipped it out uh, right at the beginning, um, and all your loyal listeners who jumped on, and I'm guessing there were a few of them, because quite a few punters jumped on, um, very, very uh, well rewarded, um, although the Tanifa did have to go um, win-win to finish the season to get in, and they did that. Yeah. I'm so stoked for them. Uh, I'm just looking. You've got the uh, quarterfinals out nice and early this week, which is fantastic. Every home team favourite except North Harbour. Clearly, that's a typo. You'd have to think they're a wee bit of value there, Steph. They're the mm. value um, bet of the uh, NBC quarterfinals. They've, they've been a very, very good side, especially at home. It was, it was basically a, a training run uh, against Southland on the weekend, so they would have come through that quite um, easily, and they'll be fit as fiddles, ready to go. I, I think those odds are representative, more of a, historical. I guess a historical. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is, Steph. Mm. Um, and not taking into account, this is a very, very different North Harbour side to the ones that was even to the one that we saw last season. So. Um, I I agree with you. I think North Harbour look like a huge value at home as underdogs. Someone texted her and said, Auckland is Penrith, North Harbour are Parramatta. Now, I disagree. I disagree. No. No. First of all, Auckland are not Penrith. No. There is no Penrith in the NPC. Um, Possibly Canterbury uh, at their best, but, but Penrith are just out on a... They're in a world of their own at the moment. That... That the whole organisation is just, just I, I don't know what they, if the Warriors can go over there, take a snapshot and come back and replicate it in New Zealand, they'll go a long, long, long way um, to improving their chances of picking up their first ever title. But that Penrith side, but look, Parramatta weren't bad in that grand final. It's just that Penrith, their line speed was ridiculous, and mm-hmm. and the, the the overall speed at which they played the game especially in that first 20, 25 minutes, they were just, no one would have stayed with them. No one. I'm just going to warn Phil from Hastings that the last thing I'm going to ask you about is the NFL. There's a game going on at the moment, so Phil's turned his radio down now because he records it and watches it after work. Uh, Tell us about the action on Kansas City game. 
Yeah, well, Kansas City are off to a great start there. Uh, their first drive, and they pick up a touchdown. Uh, they're up uh, 7-3 at the moment, so it looks like the um, Tampa Bay uh, picked up a field goal. Currently, the Chiefs are $1.50, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at $2.40. Um, I'm just having a look. And the point start, Kansas City minus 4.5 at $1.90, Tampa Bay plus 4.5 at $1.80. And I just wanted to mention a boosted odds market that we've got out there at the moment, Steph. I've just looked at the uh, Kiwis 24-man squad for the Rugby League World Cup, and the bookies have boosted New Zealand to win the Rugby League World oh. Cup from $4.33 out to $6. Oh. $6 right now on the Kiwis to win the Rugby League World Cup. That looks like ridiculous. Ridiculous value, Steph. Have a look at that pack that we've got. We've got a spine as well. This is one of the best Kiwi sides we've put together, and we're probably going to meet the Aussies if they do make the final on on a neutral ground. Six dollars boosted odds. The Kiwis to win the World Cup. I've just watched Sam open the TAB app. He's all over it. Thanks, Paulie. <laughs> all good, Steph. Cheers, mate. Paul, mate. Six dollars to win the Rugby League World Cup. That is a massive boost from 433, which I thought was reasonable value on its own. Now out to six. TAB.co.nz or the app. Um, do it responsibly, but geez, boosted at six bucks, I'd be all over that. We are going to take a quick break. On the other side, Daily Telegraph rugby league writer Michael Karianis will be joining us. Joined us a few times this year. Um, we might give him a few days off, actually, after this one. It's probably unfair to come to him straight after a grand final. But Michael Karianis, the wonderful Daily Telegraph rugby league writer. Uh, welcome in, Michael. I'm guessing you've had a little bit more sleep than Nathan Cleary. <laughs> yes, I'd hope so, yes. I, I, I'd suggest I have. But, um, yeah, the Penrith boys are in the midst of their celebrations and don't they deserve it? They're a remarkable footy side and, and in another remarkable performance last night. What a grand final it was. I mean, over here in New Zealand, it really captured us as well, very much anticipated. And it didn't really play out how we thought. We thought two colossus in the game, but Panthers, to me, showed they are a class above. What's been the reaction? What are we, 12, 13, 14 hours later? Yeah, usually in a one-sided grand final, people try and and dissect the losing side a little bit and, and try and work out where it all went wrong. But this time around, I think everyone acknowledges that Penrith are just a superior side. They're, they're well ahead uh, of the competition. And, and, and the gulf between, you know, the first, second, third teams is quite significant at the moment. They are just a red-hot footy side and uh, they would have put that score on any other side last night. How long can this go? I mean, people are already talking dynasty in the making. Um, of course, back-to-back um, and then just the, the the grades underneath this top side are doing it as well. Um, scary for other clubs. Well, they've won everything this year. They've won, you know, the SC ball, the, the national championships, the jersey flag. Um, so they've won, you know, all but uh, the Harold Matthews, um, which is the under-17s competition. They've won everything above that from under-19s above. So it's quite significant, uh, you know, they lose a few players next year. They lose a few players every year, and, and it doesn't seem to hurt them. The, the one that will hurt them is Api Koreasau, who will leave at the end of the year. I think he's probably the, the player that they're going to struggle the most to replace, um, what he does out, out of dummy half. But when you've got Nathan Cleary, Jerome Luai, Dylan Edwards, Zayo, James Fisher-Harris all locked in long-term, 
you're going to be a good side for, for years to come. Are they going to be replaced? Like we, uh, I myself, I haven't watched much of these the the lower age grade teams, etc. Um, myself, like it's mm. going to be just about impossible to replace someone like Kurosawa. But is there any promising youngsters that can be moulded into that? Uh, I, I'm not across them really, but they've got such a, a depth of, of talent there. Obviously, Mitch Kenny played last night. Uh, I think he'll get first cracks. Uh, Sonny Lukey played in the reserve grade um, game as well yesterday and, and you know, started uh, in that. And he, he's a dummy half. So, you know, I think they'll get first crack at it. But, you know, replacing up is going to be the toughest pass that this side faces in terms of players they've lost in the last couple of years. Yeah, and Viliami Kikia, my favourite Panther as well. I just love the way just the mm. big man does what big men do. Uh, another one they're going to have to find uh, a replacement for. Yeah, they've signed, um, obviously this is not a like-for-like like because you can't replace Kikau, but they've signed uh, Luke Garner from the West Tigers, so he, he'll probably slot in, in that back row slot. But, uh, you know, Kikau just gives them a, a point of difference that not many players can offer. Kangaroos get named today. I don't know the time. Uh, do you know when the Kangaroos are going to get named today? In about 20 minutes, I think. Oh, any surprise? Yeah, yeah. Do you think there might be a on the back of what we saw last night, uh, where there's some players that might have been fifty-fifty and now eighty-twenty? Uh, and I'm particularly uh, thinking about maybe Dylan Edwards. Well, the the one battle um, that was open was was the back row slot between Liam Martin and Sean Lane. Liam Martin was slight favourite heading into last night's game, but you know he'll be picked for sure now. I can't see how Sean Lane forces his way into the side. And, and Dylan Edwards, yeah, he's the the interesting one because he, he wasn't um, in the squad uh, as of yesterday morning and whether he's done enough uh, to, to force his way in, those meetings are happening right now. So I'm not exactly sure. I think he'd be a remote chance um, because he wasn't in the squad heading into the game yesterday. Whether he's done enough to usurp someone uh, like a Matt Burden, um, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? You're in the best team in the biggest game and you're man of the match. What more do you got to do to get the green and gold jersey? Oh, I know. It's hard. There's a guy called James Tedesco in front of you, though, playing <laughs> playing in that number one jersey. Latrell Mitchell will be in the squad as well. So, you know, then that doesn't take into account the likes of, you know, Tom Trevojevich who's injured. So it's a position, you know, Dylan Edwards is a supreme player and deserves Clyde Churchill, but I don't think anyone can argue that. He's just sitting behind those blokes at the moment in terms of pecking order. Now, I should have given you forewarning or got Sam to give you forewarning. I was going to ask you about the eligibility rules. We did a big piece on it uh, earlier today, and uh, someone texted the show suggesting that eligibility changes in World Cup year. So what is the ruling? Like, I thought you could go from Tier 1 to Tier 2, but not go back to Tier 1? Or can, can you clarify um, if yeah. Jason Tomalolo wanted to go and play for the Kiwis again, could he? I don't think I don't I, I don't think Jason Tamalolo could. In terms of World Cup year, you can only play for one country in a, in a World Cup year, regardless if it's Tier One or Team Tier Two. So you can't play for you know PNG in a mid year test and represent uh, Australia in the end of year, at the World Cup. You definitely can't do that. Um, you, you can. I guess there would be nothing stopping Jason Tamalolo from in a non World Cup year. Um, playing for, for Tonga and, and New Zealand because, you know, we, we, we've seen that um, at, at times over the last couple of years, but you can't do that in a World Cup year. Right, right. And, and 
international rugby league's the pinnacle for New Zealanders. Is it still state of origin? My feeling is state of origin is the pinnacle in Australian rugby league, and is that partly because it's it's NRL based, it's ARL based, um, it's where the money is, it's where the fans is, it's where the broadcast comes comes in. I think quite simply, it's probably where the best competition has been over the last couple of years because international footy has not been uh, as good of standard. I, I think if you pitted um, lots of those international sides against the New South Wales or Queensland team, you know, New South Wales or Queensland win, I think that's probably been the issue. But now we're seeing, uh, you know, New Zealand are going to be red hot in this tournament. You've got Tonga and Samoa who, who are going to be sensational as well. So once, you know, the international game can b- get back to a high-quality, consistent standard, I, I think that will obviously usurp the contest that is state of origin. I think if you ask the players, there's no greater contest than state of origin, but there's no greater honour than wearing the green and gold of Australia. So that's probably the difference. So quite hard to ask an Australian this, but would be the best thing for international rugby league to gain a little bit more impetus would be for the Kangaroos to not make the final, maybe finish fourth, and then Australia go, this ain't on, we got to get back to the top. Uh, potentially, like... Um, I don't know. I always want Australia to win everything, but yeah, yeah. I do want a, a competitive tournament, and we're seeing that. We saw the last time Tonga played Australia. Well, Tonga won, right? So who would have thought that could have happened? You know, five years ago, let alone you know ten years ago. So um, I think there's no doubt that, uh, regardless of what happens in in this World Cup, it'll be the best one we've seen since the 1980s, and um, the competition will be fierce because. Any of those top four sides, and we're not even talking about England here, who who are probably the fifth-ranked side, probably I think, heading into this tournament. So that's the depth of, of the Pacific, the Pacifica at the moment, and it's so good to see. I can't wait to to get up and, and watch those games. Yeah, I'm the same. It's a definitely uh, an alarm clock setting uh, rugby league World Cup. The We've got Michael Maguire coming on very, very shortly, actually, uh, onto the show talking about his squad and the, and the tournament. Cannot wait. Hey, Michael, as always, uh, you've been a great servant to us over, over the year. Thanks for coming on again today. Really enjoyed it. Pleasure. Thank you. Michael Carrianis, Daily Telegraph, rugby league writer. Um, interesting. Like that, that state of origin, like to us in New Zealand, we don't have anything like the equivalent of state of origin. I think there was one year... New Zealand, did they have a tri-series and New Zealand put in a team against Queensland and New South Wales? I feel like they did. I sort of feel like they did. Can you recall that, Sammy? No, but you know, I always also think with the state of origin, like what made that so good early on and throughout the years is the fact that they, they really hate each other. Yeah. It's that rivalry because when you just get two teams sort of coming together and I guess there's – I mean, that's why the Springboks All Blacks, right? I mean, not that there's a hate, but there is a – a, a fierce rivalry between the two teams. Mm. And I think sometimes with International League, that's what they lack, are those meaningful, like, rivalries. We talked about New Zealand Tonga, you know, becoming that. Um, but you're never going to get what you get in State of O, where, where guys literally, I mean, you talk to the um, Queenslander. Billy Moore. Billy Moore. You talk to the Billy Moores, and they, you know, viscerally hated New South Wales, yeah. you know. Um, it doesn't probably so much, but, but you know... It, it probably does actually when you look at Cleary and Luai and how much they got under the skin of those Queensland players and vice versa it's it's still there the, yeah. the sort of hatred and I think that's what fuels it it's just such a the quality's great but I think it's competitive and it's great because the players are 
that invested in beating other mm. team. Oh, I love say Roger. I'm, I'm not saying change it or anything like that, but it's. Just, I'd like to see a little bit more meaningful international rugby league. You know, if, if we could introduce something like the equivalent of the Bledisloe Cup and let it gain momentum and gain importance over the years. We will have a break and we'll be back. Don't forget, after two, Michael Maguire. Just talking about the uh, rivalry of State of Origin, look at the MPC quarterfinals, ladies and gentlemen. North, North Harbour, Auckland. Derby. Battle of the Bridge. Wellington, Hawke's Bay, there's always feeling in that, neighbouring provinces. Waikato Bay of Plenty. Now, normally I'm a bit disappointed when the quarterfinal is a replica of the game last week. But, jeez, that was a game yesterday. Waikato Bay of Plenty. Waikato, what were they, 20 behind with not many minutes left and got up with a DMAC conversion at the end? That's a local derby. And then Canterbury Northland. The uh, the giant killers, Northland, can they go one again down in Chichit? Oh, looking forward to it. Straight after the news, we're going to catch up with Michael Maguire out of the United Kingdom ahead of this Rugby League World Cup. So much looking forward to this, so don't go anywhere. In two or three minutes, Michael Maguire after the news. Well, one of the hardest jobs in uh, sport today, I think, was announcing a Kiwi Rugby League team because we have so much talent now. And joining us now is head coach Michael Maguire. Welcome in, Michael. Thanks for jumping in. What a task you've had, but but I guess a pleasurable task. Uh, uh, so much talent. Yeah, thanks for having me. It, um, yeah, it is a pleasure. I mean, obviously, to have a, a number of names there that uh, and tough to decisions uh, is what you want to be having at uh, this time when you're picking a squad so you know, the depth obviously of the Kiwi team is getting uh, stronger and you know, we need to keep working really hard at that to make sure that we have you know, more depth moving forward but uh, look it's we, we've got a, a good group of uh, men that will come together and a lot of those players have been the best at their clubs so yeah, that's the most pleasing part. Were you watching last night? I'd imagine you were watching last night's final, like all of us, with fingers crossed none of the Kiwis got injured? Uh, yeah, I was, actually. Every time uh, you sort of watch a player run the ball or get or make a tackle, you just made sure that they got up. But uh, they all got through, um, yeah, all healthy. And, you know, it's going to be really great to have uh, those boys coming into camp off the back of a game of high intensity like it was. You know, that's the type of style of what we need to make sure we go to uh, when we play in, the, in a test match. So, yeah, to have those players bring that sort of intensity into camp, uh, along with what the boys have already been, already been doing, it's uh, you know, it was a positive start. Just just building into the World Cup, then, how does as as a coach, how do you approach a congested tournament versus a season long competition, which you've got so much experience at? What what changes for you? Yeah, well, the important part, I believe, is that we've been able to you know bring the team together. Uh, I know it's been sort of sporadic throughout the time over the last two or three years, but the fact that we've sort of got consistency in how we've gone about things and, you know, there's a stability, I guess, in New Zealand Rugby League there with Greg and, and uh, the crew that um, look after us. Yeah, that's that's a real uh, important part because then the players understand their roles when they come in. You know, they've just got to come in and do their role and play their part. And, you know, when you've got the talent uh, of, of obviously the, what we get to choose from, well, those players can just come in and do their part. So um, that's the real key for for us as we've been over the journey over the last two or three years. But look, it's all in front of us now, and 
you know, all that won't mean too much if we don't go out and utilise it. So, you know, it's about you know, doing uh, or, or now acting on all the things that we've been doing over the last two or three years. And all but three of your squad have been involved in playoff football, which is very rare for a Kiwi side, which is usually, well, yeah. in recent years, been laden with Warriors. Um, we've only got one in there, in Dallin, who's been, I thought, was yeah. the best Warrior this year. Um, just the, just the, is that a good thing that they've been playing top level rugby league right up till now? Uh, not many haven't played for a while, so they're primed and ready. Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, you're playing games at high intensity and you know at a high level because you know when you step into a finals, you know the football does step up. Um, you know when you go from round to round, look, you, you obviously have some high quality games, but uh, once you get into finals, that intensity and you know the uh, the heat around the whole game itself becomes higher, and you know that's that's what happens at Test footy. It's at the top of the top of the tree when you're, you're coming to this level uh, for the Kiwis. So you know those guys having that practice at the levels, um, you know, like you look at those players last night, and the intensity of the game was enormous. You know, and to have those players you now step in and understand where they, you know, where you've got to get to um, is going to be good for us moving forward. And these guys, the, all these players, 90% of the time, probably even 95% of the time, they're all in their own club system and they all approach the game a little bit differently. Now they've got to swing to the national mindset and the national way of playing. You've touched on that you've had them together a few times for internationals. How difficult is it to switch them out of a Melbourne Storm, a Sydney Roosters, a Canberra Raiders type mindset and slot into the, into the Kiwis way of playing? Yeah, the, that comes with experience, uh, you know, and you know, we've got a good blend of experience from someone like a Jawa Hargreaves or a Kieran Four and to the you know, Moses and James Fisher-Harris, you know, those type of players. Um, they've played a lot of footy now, and to be honest, teams are playing pretty similar. You know, the styles of how we want to play don't drift too far, but it's just how you go about your role when, you, when, when you're called upon. And um, I don't know. You know, the mid-year test is a great example. You know, I, we didn't tinker too much with how we wanted to play and, you know, they played a very strong brand of footy of what we believe is the way that we can have, find our success. So, you know, that, that's the sort of stuff that we, we call on when we bring the boys together and that's also the hard work of training. You know, we've, we're going to spend a fair bit of time on the field going through things early uh, once all the players get here uh, from the grand final. So we'll spend a bit of time on the field making sure that we we understand the style of how we want to play. You're almost a quasi-New Zealander now. You've been involved in the Kiwi setup long enough, I think, to be able to put put a bit of a Kiwi stripe on, <laughs> on your shoulder, Madge. Um, what do you see from the New Zealanders who spend most of their life out of New Zealand and getting that Kiwis jersey and being around whānau and, 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 the, and the ilk of yeah. you know teammates? What do you witness happens to a player that plays in Australia comes into a Kiwi camp? What do you see? Yeah. Oh, look, a real brotherhood. Um, a very, very strong connection. Um, the passion that they have is is incredible. Uh, yeah, and there's a real family aspect around how they go about things. Uh, and, you know, there's a real strong bond between the players and there's nothing better when you actually sort of see the players come together and, you know, reunite back together and, you know, they're all very tight group. Um, so... Yeah, you can see you see a sense of um, real tightness amongst the players. So I guess that's what I'm always seeing when I'm working at being with the players. And they look to me like whenever the Kiwis get together, and I watch them line up for the anthem and the haka, and you just feel like 
well, it is their pinnacle. Um, and in Australia, yeah. you could argue the pinnacle is state of origin and not national jersey. Um, we're sort of one up on them in that respect, I reckon. Yeah, oh, look, it's definitely the pinnacle. Like, you know, I can't explain uh, what it means to the players to play for for the Kiwis. Um, it's yeah, just to be able to watch them, and you know, even at, even at training, you know, they're just so diligent about wanting to succeed. Uh, and look, you know, obviously, you know, over the years of the World Cup, you know, Australia have had the successes uh, at a higher level, and but you know, this group definitely want to be able to. Uh, you know, to leave the legacy and build that um, moving forward. You know, and, and that comes with the ability of having the depth of players. I remember talking to Stacey Jones, uh, you know, years ago, and he was just talking about how they had to try and work out who was going to play in the halves because they didn't have anyone. Uh, yeah. You know, so they used to have to makeshift players quite a number of times to be able to actually find the team. Whereas now we're talking about quality of players being picked. And they are some of the best players within the competition. So, you know, and they're the best players in their club. So that's very important, you know, for to build a long-term legacy of obviously what the Kiwis want to achieve. Joey Manu, where are you going to play him? He'll be at fullback. Um, yes. I think, yeah, we saw, yeah, we saw what he was capable of there and, you know, um, in the mid-year test. And, you know, he's, a, he's an incredible player, Joey. I mean, he's only just touching on what he's, Capable of, I think, Joey. He's going to just get better and better the more times he plays at fullback. Uh, and, you know, and understanding the role, uh, you know, so he's, he's at a club, obviously, where he's, he's got a pretty handy one there. So they can utilise him in a, a bit of a double fullback role when he plays at the Roosters. But now he can just concentrate on the role. And, you know, I'm looking forward to him having a, an incredible uh, World Cup. Talking to Michael Maguire, head coach of the Kiwis, the final squad has just been named to go and represent us at the World Cup. Uh, years gone by, Madge, uh, it was New Zealand or Australia, sometimes England sort of worried us a little bit, but now we've got Samoa. We've seen what Tonga can do. Yeah. The, the international game is starting to build nicely. Oh, it is, yeah. I mean, yeah, you look at the squad of Samoa and, uh, yeah, that's a very, very strong squad. Same with Tonga. Um, you know, and the England squad, you know, they've, they've obviously got, uh, you know, plenty of players coming out of the Super League. Uh, but, I, you know, I look at um, a team like Lebanon as an example uh, in the last World Cup. You know, they came out of the blocks and they, they nearly shocked Tonga in one, of the, in one of the games that they played. So, look, you've got to respect everyone that you're playing. So what's, what happens between now and your first game? I, I understand you're all in camp in Australia. How much longer there and when do you head off? No, no, we actually flew over uh, two days ago. We uh, we did a camp in Australia for two days. We trained, uh, so we jumped on the plane. So we're actually in England now. We're in Leeds. So we have a, oh. a tour game or a warm-up game as such uh, against Leeds next Saturday uh, where I'll play uh, majority of the squad except for the grand finalists. Uh, and then the grand finalists will join us on the Saturday morning of that game. And then come Monday, it's basically we're back back to part of the journey of the World Cup. You excited? Uh, very much so. Well, you know, I can't <laughs> wait to get the uh, grand finals over and uh, you know have, have the squad of 24. And yeah, we, we had training and literally the boys just jumped straight into it. It was awesome. It was just really great to get on the park. And you know, when, you, when you're dealing with the players of golf, you know, they know their role so well and they just jump straight into it. Uh, and you've seen your players like Jesse Bromwich and Jared and, you know, it's, you know, and the, and Jerome Hughes, you know, they just literally just jump straight into, it's like we haven't left each other from obviously the year test. So having that 
is uh, very exciting about, you know, obviously what's ahead, that's for sure. Well, we're all incredibly excited as well, Michael. Uh, thanks for jumping on. I didn't realise you're in the UK. Actually, didn't realise you'd got there. Um, but uh, so nice and late at night for you. So I appreciate you coming on. Uh, yeah, no, that's okay. Pass, pass on that's all right. our best wishes. We cannot wait for this World Cup. Uh, all the very best. Yeah, thank you very much. We're really looking forward to obviously uh, performing for uh, the New Zealand people. Michael Maguire there, head coach of the Kiwis. The team is Nelson Asafa-Solomona, Jesse Bromwich, Kenny Bromwich, Dylan Brown, James Fisher-Harris, Kieran Foran, Peter Hicku, Jerome Hughes, Sebastian Chris, uh, Moses Leota, Isaac Liu, Joseph Manu, Jeremy Marshall-King, Ronald Mulitalo, Chance Nicol-Clockstead, uh, Britton Okora, Marata Niukore, Isaiah Papali'i, Jordan Rapana, Brendan Smith, Scott Sorensen, Joe Tarpani, Jared Wairia Hargreaves, and Dallin Watene Zalesniak. Wow. That is a squad. Give us your calls. 0800 150 811. Your thoughts on the Rugby League World Cup. Some things uh, Michael Maguire touched on there. He just, he sounds like a man that is really appreciative of his post and when these guys get together, I mean, I've seen, I think I remember when they came into camp for that test match in the middle of the year and they all saw each other for the first time. Just the reinvigorated energy amongst the Kiwis was fantastic. And he sort of expanded on that. So lines are open 0800 150 Give us a yell. Right now, as we speak, Mel Meninga is addressing the press, naming his team. I've got the live stream going. Um, I can't hear it, but I've got the live stream going. It took me ages. So we'll have the Kangaroo Squad for you uh, as soon as it's finished being announced as well. But give us your, cap- give us your calls. 0800 150811. I've told you the squad. How confident are you? How excited are you for this Rugby League World Cup? Your calls after the break. Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Just this second, I've got the Kangaroos Rugby League World Cup squad. Just the second as that air break was finishing. So here it is. Kangaroo selectors have named 13 debutants in the squad. Um, their first match will be against Fiji. Um, James Tedesco will be captain. And Isaiah Yo and Cam Murray will be vice captains. Um, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Here's the team. Righto. Josh Adokar. Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs. Matt Burton, debutant. Regan Campbell-Gillard. Patrick Carrigan, debutant. Daly Cherry Evans. Nathan Cleary, debutant. Lindsay Collins, debutant. Ruben Cotter, debutant. I've stopped saying debutant. Angus Crichton. Tino Fa'asuo Malawi. Campbell Graham. Harry Grant. Val Holmes. Ben Hunt. Liam Martin. Latrell Mitchell. Cam Munster. <clears throat> Cameron Murray. Um, oh, yeah, Cameron Murray, vice captain. Jeremiah Nanai, uh, Murray Tuolangi, James Tedesco, Jake Trebojevic, Jack Whiten, Isaiah Yo. That's a very good team. No Dylan Edwards. That is such a good team as well. Mash. Jesus Christ. I think we'd have them probably in the forward pack there. I mean, those are great forwards, don't get me wrong. But I almost think we might have them for a little bit of size and mongrel in the forward pack. Mm. Which, you know, last night, Steph, you saw 
because um, the eels have a pretty like large pack in terms of size, but they just were outmuscled by just speed and power last night. I mean, Moses Leota, phenomenal. And then Lenu came on, and you got guys like Fisher Harris. They're just it makes such a difference having them punching through the middle like that. You remember after the first Penrith try, the, the next set, Penrith went about 60 metres on their next set when they had only been going about 30 or 40 to mm, start the mm. game. After that first try, it just opened up and they started just barreling through the middle. And it just makes such a difference to the speed and, you know, giving the backs good ball. So, um, yeah, I, I think we might have them on the pack, but that is a damn good kangaroo side. Damn good. Yes. Um, Jeepers, that, that makes me uh, a little bit scared. <laughs> was Daly Cherry Evans under threat? Well, the the argument was whether or not they get because obviously Munster will probably play six, so it's whether Cleary or DCE play seven, and that's probably still on the table. Who's going to play seven? Mm. I mean, Cleary to me is the best five eight in the is the best half in the world at the moment. So, um, it's yeah. But do you take a guy DCE who's played, who's been there before, who's won World Cups, who and knows how to do it? He stands up in those big, big games like Origin, doesn't he? Yeah, he can be out of form for Manly. Yep, correct. And just go bang on the big, big stuff. I think Mal's Mal's. When you look at Freddie, you know, for Origin, Mal's more of a loyalist, so I think he'll stay with DCE. But, but you know, there, there'll be a Nathan Cleary sitting on the bench, which is quite an interesting sentence to say. Mm. Standby players. Actually, they've named three standby players. Do you want to have a guess? Uh, Dylan Edwin's in there? Yes. What are the two positions? Um, We're not sure. There's a hooker. Australian hooker. Mm. Who who have they named as hookers? Have they named Ben Hunt as a hooker? It doesn't say what they've named him as, but uh, he is there. They had Damien Cook that they named. Didn't name Damien Cook. Oh, so is he the hooker? He's the hooker. Okay. And then there's, gosh, what position's this guy? Uh, he'd be he'd be a six. He plays six? Or a one at a stretch. Um, Very attractive, man. <laughs> oh, I'm just trying to think what teams um, was in the playoffs. Not Melbourne. Uh, won't be. Oh, Nico. Nico. Yeah, Dally M. Yeah. As someone's just messaged in here, no Dally M medal winner, no Clive Churchill medal winner yeah. in, in the in the actual squad. Yeah. So standby must be just if there's. Do they go? And if there's an injury, like a tournament-ending injury, I mate, think so. You'd have to have been up in the UK. So they have to go traveling reserves. So if there's no injuries, they're going to have a hell of a good few weeks. Oh, mate, I don't know. Maybe because 24 allows for the injuries as well. Mm. So maybe they're not. Maybe they are just here emergency flight to the UK overnight if something happens. Mm. Um, had an interesting text from Surly. G'day, Surly. Uh, and I'm just looking at that New Zealand side. I don't see, but yeah, Surly, Surly will know. And he said, lads, after watching Leota and Fisher-Harris last night, do you think having Bromwich as skipper was an interesting call? Because Surly would be starting um, Leota and Fisher-Harris, which would leave Bromwich either on the pine or not in the squad. Um, geez, they were so good last night, Leota and Fisher-Harris. Yeah, I, th- I guess... You know, to, I think Jesse, having Jesse as captain is, is the right call, given that he's 33 years old. He's captain the Kiwis many times before he's captain the Storm to three titles. So I think you have him. And also guys like Fisher-Harris, he's actually quite quiet. James mm. Fisher-Harris, he's very shy. Um, I think it would work well with Leota coming off the bench 
almost like Spencer Lenu did for the Panthers last night. Big guy, runs hard, off the bench is going to just be another added mm. bit of punch. So I'd, I'd agree with you in the fact that on form, you'd say Leota and Fisher should start. But I think when, when you want experience and you need experience in internationals and you need your skipper on the park starting, I think you, your Leota's come off the bench. Mm. Steph? Um Shannon says, Kia ora, Staff, I give us a big chance. We have a big mobile pack with experience with a mixture of young and old players. Our young spine with Hughes, Brown and Manu, who were awesome against Tonga, will give us a lot of confidence. Yeah, it's, it's for me, the most anticipated Rugby League World Cup. And I think aside of the strength of the Kangaroos that we've touched on and the strength of the Kiwis, Samoa, Tonga, um, even Fiji, capable of upsets. PNG, it's their national game. Waiting to see the Lebanon team. Um, not saying that these guys would win it. But instead of having almost locking in New Zealand, Australia into the final, and occasionally England popped up as well, very real threats, and particularly Samoa's team is phenomenal. I think Samoa are better than Tonga at this stage because the problem that Tonga's always had um, is that they have great pack arguably one of the best packs in International Rugby League, um, just with no halves mm. and no direction. Um, whereas Samoa, um, the halves, obviously, Jerome Luai and I think Anthony Milford. But probably more so is their back line. You go from Luai to Taylor May to Isaac Targo to Stephen Crichton to Brian Tolo. <laughs> it's the Panthers' back line. So those guys are in sync as is. Um, and I think that's going to make a message. So I put Samoa ahead of Tonga. Who's playing six and seven for them? Uh, it'll be Luai and Anthony Milford. Yeah. Wow. And Milford's not like the star, but he'll do enough, He's good to, enough. to link those guys. He in. can have blinders too. Suali'i at the back. Um, and then look at, if, you know, and then you've got um, Josh Pabali'i, Taolangi, um, Jaden Sewer. They've got the hammer, Hamiso, to Waifido. Um, have they got are they Oregon Kafusi as well? I think they've got Spencer Lenu. So, yeah, Samoa's going to be amazing. I preference for me would be for one of those teams to knock Australia out in the semi. Yes. Then <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to play because I would be scared in a final. That's the only thing I'll put it. I'd be scared in a final that Australia just have that Australia factor, right? They've all been there. Like you said, DCE, they'll step up. And guys for us like Dylan Brown, who I love, it might just get to them. You know what I mean? So this, that, this is that mindset we were talking about a couple of weeks ago when New Zealand, when the Black Caps play Australia, there's that thing. Yep. So if someone else could do us a favour and beat Australia in the semi, please? Yep. Then I reckon we'd go in with with the sort of bravo. Huge yeah, momentum. 100%. Oh, it's, uh, and the game's going to kick off middle of the night, aren't they? Oh, we're going to have a couple of weeks of serious fatigue, Sammy. Serious fatigue. And also, too, like we Kiwi selection debates that we usually have in the past – they're they're almost quite obvious. Mm. Whereas these are we're talking about should it be Jesse Bromwich, should it be James Fisher Harris, should it be Moses? I mean that's fantastic. We haven't that's all black type chat that mm. we haven't had for the Kiwis I in know, years. It's brilliant. The depth is absolutely brilliant. Uh, we're going to go to Karen for news, sport, and weather. Straight after that, going to catch up with the CEO of the Rally of New Zealanders, names Michael Goldstein. What an event over the weekend! He'll join us after the news. Well, after a number of years, the World Rally Championship returned to New Zealand shores, a much-anticipated event, and a man that probably had 
far too many sleepless nights or sleep-deprived nights, and it probably hasn't finished yet, is the CEO of Rally New Zealand, Michael Goldstein, and he joins us now the day after. G'day, Michael. Yeah, g'day, Mark. Big sigh of relief? Yeah, you know, the blood pressure has dropped a bit um, the last 24 hours, um, but it's been an awesome, awesome week. So um, we're thrilled with how the event's gone. New Zealand are really good at hosting big events. We've seen it with World Cups. A, a whole lot of big events have been in New Zealand, and they, uh, pardon the pun, they rally around and, and make it happen. Uh, we've always had amazing volunteers step up and help out an event. Just looking back over the preparation and then the completion of the event, what were your biggest challenges? I think the biggest challenge, uh, Mark, is that um, it's been 10 years since the WRC's been in New Zealand, and... Um, We've got this amazing legacy with the event, but equally the world's changed a lot in 10 years and the people have changed and a lot of the event has changed. And so we were kind of merging um, this amazing history with with 2022. Um, and in 10 years there'd been a lot of change and it meant there was a lot for us to learn. Did, did things happen or situations arise over... Uh, once the, the the competitors arrived and the event was on and you were like, oh, hadn't thought of that. I'll do that next time. Well, we're just starting the debrief this morning. So the answer is yes, but nothing major. I think overall it's been a resounding success. Uh, the messages coming through today from the, the teams, the team principals, they're just phenomenally positive. So I think overall it's, it's a huge tick. Um, but just like any major event, there's always areas for improvement. So we'll go back to drawing board and have a look at a few things. Um, but, yeah, as I said, it's, we're, we're really stoked with how the week's been. What's been the feedback from the teams on the course itself, on the stages? Obviously, the weather wasn't too flash. Um, but as a spectator, I'd imagine that's good because there's no dust. Um, but w- what has been the feedback from the drivers and the teams on, on the course that was presented? Yeah, and also that the weather worked well for Calais, Robin Perra, who had a bad road position, uh, but that was mitigated by the wet weather. Mm. So um, he was actually uh, not a favourite to win because of his road position, but then with the weather how it was, it helped him, right? And then ultimately he won the World Championship yesterday. So so they liked that. But I, I was sitting on Friday night in the control room with the FIA and with our team, and... Um, they just commented on how amazed, how, how such incredible sport it was on Friday because they did 156 kilometres of competitive stages and there was 0.2 of a second in it. Um, and nine of the 10 WRC1 drivers got through the day and four of them were, there, were within seven seconds of each other. And as a sporting contest, it's as good as it gets on the WRC. And that was commented on so many times during the week. Um, obviously Saturday was a lot more, um, there was a lot more variability with the weather being so bad. Um, but, you know, New Zealand stands above other rallies around the world because of these incredible roads that we have. And, and as we expected, that came to the fore the last few days. So many things to, to weigh up, I guess, for the governing body to come back to New Zealand. But, um, if we get our organisation right, which sounds like that got a tick, uh, the course got a tick. Uh, it's just the, is, is, is the biggest hurdle the logistical nightmare of getting that whole group here? I mean, we've seen it with V8 supercars. They pretty much race in Australia, come to New Zealand once. Yep. And it's it's the financial side of things for the organisation must be tough. 
Yeah, the, the logistical costs are immense. You know, more than 40 uh, containers that got shipped from Kenya to Auckland for the rally. Plus, there was a huge amount of air freight. All of the cars are air freighted from Europe, and they'll be back on the on the planes back to Europe to get um, sorted out before Rally Spain in a couple of weeks. And and with all those logistics, there are significant costs. Um, those costs are borne by the teams and by the by the governing bodies rather than us. But you know, it's all part of the mix as to the viability of of New Zealand on the on the calendar. Um, but at the end of the day, they're the World Rally Championship, and they want to have events around the world, not just in Europe. So those costs are part of, you know, part of the championship they're running, and and they're they're happy to incur them, provided they come down here and put on a spectacle like they just have. So I think on balance, um, you know, our partners at the FIA and and the World Rally Championship are very very positive. So reading between the lines, we've done ourselves no harm in trying to get it back down here. What's What's the future look like um, to get it back here and when? Well, we, we're really shooting for 2024 to have the event again. And I think that works for us. I, I, this is a massive international event. There's, there's not many um, events of this scale in New Zealand, and it's, it's not affordable for New Zealand to host it every year. Um, but we think every two years or every two or three years it, it is sustainable for our country, and we're going to give it a red-hot crack for 2024. Hayden Patton drove as well as he could in a, an underpowered car. I sensed a little bit of frustration from him not getting into one one of the big cars. And, of course, he's been flying the rally flag for New Zealand around the world for an, a number of years. How, how close, and I don't know whether you know the answer to this, how close from taking that next step up again is he? I don't know the answer to that exactly. I know that he's good enough. Um, but there's a lot of politics in play. And he's got such a strong relationship with Hyundai New Zealand, which is really special, and it's allowing him to innovate with his electric car and compete now in the WRC2 um, championship globally. That you know he's really committed to Hyundai as a brand um, because of the phenomenal support that Hyundai New Zealand has given him, and so he's not going to go and jump ship and and drive for for one of the other teams. So that really only opens up Hyundai in the World Championship as an option for him, and. You know, there's politics around that, which go over my head, to be honest. <laughs> but um, I think that if he was in a Hyundai WRC1 car, he would be very, very competitive, particularly around New Zealand. He would have been extremely competitive. Um, finally, Michael, we're joined by Michael Goldstein. He's the CEO of Rally New Zealand. Crowd attendance, crowd numbers, vantage points, all of that. What are you hearing from the fans? Were you happy with the numbers? I'd imagine the weather would have dented a few to keep them from actually going and seeing it live. But what are you hearing from a fan perspective? So far, it's been overwhelmingly positive. You know, I'm sure there's the odd person that got stuck out in the rain without the adequate um, clothing, but you know, the fans are so resilient and they, they just love it, right? So they're out there early in the morning, all day watching these cars and uh, watching it on the TV. The number of people out was, was phenomenal. It was more than anybody could could have uh, expected. I was in there watching on the control room on Friday morning when the first car went through the first spectator point at Fung, on the Fung Post Road and there was a gasp from everybody at the number of people on the side of the road. Um so we were absolutely thrilled with um, with how the motorsport fans got out and supported the event, um, and and I think the FIA were were pretty um, impressed by that as well. And it's part of the business case for us to bring it back. Just this level of support that Kiwis have for rallying, it's 
it's awesome. And if we were to get it back in 2024, what's a tweak yep. you'd make, something that you've learned off this rally? What, nothing major by the sounds of things, but what's something you might tweak a little bit? Yeah, look, I think we'd probably try and put a little bit more distance into the rally. Like we, We've got quite a lot of constraints because of the TV schedules about what we can and cannot do. Um, the rally this year was 275 kilometres. I think if we found another stage somewhere, um, that might be able to increase it by 30 or 40 kilometres, which would mean more sport, more competition, and, and ultimately more interest. So um, I think we'd, we'd probably look to extend it a little bit. But we're certain it's, the days of these really long four or 500 kilometre rallies are, are finished because of, um, because of the requirements from the FIA. Um, I think ideally we'd probably be looking at about 330, 340 kilometres. So, um, yeah, that's a tweak we'd look at for 24. Well, Michael, congratulations on a well-run event. Uh, all things considered, <clears throat> as you mentioned, a decade since we had one here. Uh, you should rightly be proud. I know you will be of you and your crew. And uh, you've got two two-year runway to, to run another one here in New Zealand. So we wish you the best for that. Uh, get through the debrief. Give them all a... A, a fluffy kiwi or something to make sure they can come back and um, well done. Yeah, thanks, um, Mark. And I'd just like to um, reiterate just our huge thanks to all of the communities and the landowners that are part of this event and all of the thousands of volunteers that have, have helped keep everybody safe the last four or five days. It's, it's really, um, we're really grateful for, for that support, which is far and wide. Great stuff. CEO Rally New Zealand, Michael Goldstein there. Oh, I forgot to mention before the ad break, call us to play Mastermind. It is the weekend of sport that was, including early hours of this morning, if you like. 0800 150 to play Mastermind. Potentially the last week of Mastermind. 0800 150 the weekend of sport. If you invested your viewing time and listening ears to sport over the weekend, um, give us a call 0800 150 uh, The great man, Surly. He said kickoff times aren't too bad in the Rugby League World Cup, so I've just had a look. It looks like initially two games a day, a 2.30 and a 7.30 kickoff New Zealand time. So looking for the New Zealand game. 7.30 on Monday the 17th of October is our first game against Lebanon at 7.30. Um, most of them look like 7.30 unless there's a double header. In Samoa, Greece is 5am. Tonga, Wales, 7.30. Papua New Guinea against the Cook Islands, 7.30. Where's our next game? Where's New Zealand's next game? Oh, it must be, sorry, round round three. Ireland, 7.30 in the morning. Nice. Oh, if I just click on their name. Tribe is such a good app. Such a good app. Right, here we go. They play Leeds at 6 o'clock in the morning uh, this Sunday in their warm-up game, as Michael Maguire just mentioned. Then we've got a 7.30 on a Monday morning against Lebanon, the following Sunday, 7.30 against Jamaica. And then the following Saturday, a 7.30 against Ireland. Not bad, eh? Not bad. That that comfortable, Sam. Sunday, Monday, 7.30. We'll come into work for 7.30, won't we, so we can watch it. Because uh, you can't leave it home at half time because they don't have 40-minute halves. That's how long it takes us to get to work. But good times. Fantastic times. Um, and I'm just going to have a look at the quarterfinals. 8.30, 3.30, 8.30, They are the quarters. And the semis, 8.45 and 3.30. And the final, 5 a.m. 
on November 20, a Sunday. I can live with that. I can live with that. Um, we're actually running out of time to do Mastermind. We've actually run out of time. I should have asked for calls before. We've just got some calls now, but by the time we get you on, we play the game, we just haven't got time. So sorry to all those people that have just called Sam's just told me, bro, we're out of time. So what we might do, take a break now and we'll come back. Should we start the vault, Sam? We'll do the vault. After the break, we'll do the vault. So if you want to play the new game, which is the vault, we've given ourselves a nice little five-minute buffer. Now call us, all those people, 0800-150-811. Be the first ever participant in the game called The Vault. Call us now. Yes, it's time for The Vault, Sam. Uh, the much-anticipated vault, to be fair. Mm. we got Dave from Palmy. G'day, Dave. G'day, Staffy. Here we go. You're the first ever contestant. This is for a $50 TAB multi-bet. Uh, bonus bet, I should say. And gee, do I need one after Sevo dropped that ball last night. Oh, righto. Sam, talk <laughs> us through it. Right, so uh, for those people who weren't uh, with us last week, uh, and we still obviously need some fanfare and imaging, which we'll come up with staff to make it sound official out of the break there. But, uh, Dave, what we've got is uh, I've got a 21-second piece, uh, piece of audio from an iconic – and now it is sporting. We may dive into other topics later on, but it is sporting at the moment. It's 21 seconds. Um, and I'm going to put that in the vault, Dave. And to unlock the vault, you get 10 questions. 10 yes or no questions to try and figure out the piece of audio that is behind the vault. Now, on the 10th question, uh, or after the 10th question, you have to have a guess. If you guess earlier than 10 and you get it wrong, you're out. That's it. You're done, right? And we stop it there if you want to go a bit early. So you've got 10 questions to burn if you want to burn them, okay? And it's a sporting event, is it, Sam? Correct. Well, Well, it's an event, a moment... An okay. iconic piece of audio, all right? So I'm just going to take that 20-second, but if I'm just going to lock that behind the vault. Ooh. It's in the vault, staff. It's in the vault locked away here. And, Dave, you may begin your question asking. Yes, no question, Dave. Is the sporting event in the last five years? No. Next question. Was the sporting, was the sporting event in New Zealand? No. Ooh. Even no's help though, don't they? Yep. Yeah. Um, is the sport a oval ball sport? Yes. Oh. Um, That's three, by the way. Yeah, three. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. yep. Uh, is the sport in? Was this was the sporting event in the northern hemisphere? No. Um, I tell you what, as well, if you want to use yep. staff, we'll, we'll say phone a friend. You got staff for? Should we give you one or two staff? Well, two? I don't know the answer. No, no, but as in, they, you can ask. <laughs> you can ask one or two questions. All right. You can use me yes. if you. Oh, that's yep. a good idea, staff. Do you want to ask a question that you think would be um, a good? Clue getter. Okay. Please. So longer than five years now, can ago. Now, can I just say as well, Steph, that you're on four questions, so this will be your fifth question. Yep. Maybe after five, we'll just hold it there because we're going to have to get some news away shortly, and we'll do the other five after the news. Is that okay? Okay, that's good. So you got one that's question good. here before news. Yep. Right, so I've established it's longer than five years ago. It's not in New Zealand. It is oval ball, and it's in the Southern Hemisphere. Southern Hemisphere, oval ball, longer than five years ago. Uh, not in New Zealand. So I'm going to say it's in Australia, Dave. So I will say it's going to be rugby or rugby league. So let's just eliminate one of those. Sam, mm. is it rugby league? 
No. Right. And that's five questions. We're going to have to get to some news stuff. So, uh... You, hold you got five. You got for your halfway. You're halfway. You're halfway, Dave. You but hold, are you halfway there? But are you halfway there? So you hold there, Dave. <laughs> you hold there, Dave. Yeah, mate. You've got a couple of minutes to think about what your next five are. So in, in summary, longer than five years ago, not in New Zealand. It is oval ball. It's in the Southern Hemisphere, and it's not rugby league. I feel like we're halfway there. All that's left is rugby and Aussie rules, surely. I don't know. We'll rejoin Dave after Karen's news. Raises the pressure a little bit more, that music there, Sammy. Yeah, it's, yeah that's quite tense, actually. Isn't it? Right. We are five questions through, trying to open the vault for Dave from Palmy. He's still there. G'day, Dave. Yes, mate. Yep. Right. You've been marinating on this. It's not in the last five years. It's not in New Zealand. Uh, it's not in the Northern Hemisphere. And it's not rugby league. And it is an oval ball sport. Next question. You've got five to go before a compulsory guess. And, and, just, and just remember, or not remember because we haven't said anything, but if you don't get it right or you get to the 10 or whatever, uh, we jackpot to the next day. We start, same same bit of audio in the vault, but someone picks it up tomorrow and they get to go we for 100 bucks. Righto, Dave. Okay. Question six. Was this, was this sport played by females? Ooh. No. By females? No, that's a good question. So men playing? Nice. Yeah. Steffi. Oh. Uh, so you can only use me twice, and that is this time. Yeah, so it's not rugby league. So it must be rugby. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna drill right down into something here, Dave. Down. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Sam. Mm. Is this a Bledisloe Cup match? No. Oh, oh, Jeepers. So three questions left, Dave. And they're all yours. Semi, semi is in an AFL game. No. So it's rugby. It has to be rugby. Oval ball has to be rugby. Two questions left, Dave. Rugby in the Southern Hemisphere longer than five years ago. Yeah. Was it in the century? After 2000. Yeah. No. Oh! You've got, you've got one question oh, and a guess, my. Dave. One question and a guess. Wow, wow, wow. I think I know what it is. <laughs> I, know what my next, I know what my next question would be. One question and a guess, Dave. Make it a good one. Was it a Super Rugby game? Is that what you would have asked, Steph? No. Although, Dave, or, although it would have the same result. Dave, it was not a Super Rugby game. Those are your 10 questions, my friend. You need to give us a guess of some sort, and you may hail Mary it. You might, you might just pluck this one out of the air. So, 
Not in the last five years. Well, we know that. It's before 2000. It's not in New Zealand. It is an oval ball match in the Southern Hemisphere that is not Rugby League or AFL, and it is men playing for it, and it is not the Bledisloe Cup, and it is not Super Rugby. It can only be one thing! (laughs) (laughs) Sammy, is it... um, New Zealand under-20s versus Aussie under-20s? Is that is that going to be is that a guess from you? Yeah, that's that's so all it's I've just, got, mate, So it's sorry. just an under twenties, uh, All Blacks versus an under twenties no, Wallabies. Say a fight, uh, yeah, some sort of final. Some sort of final. Well, hey, yeah. let me punch that combination into the vault keypad. See if it opens. And see if it opens the door. I need a little. Does it work? Does it work? No. Computer says no. Computer says no, so the audio okay. stays locked in the vault staff for another day. Oh, Dave, good and Somebody effort. else gets to pick it up tomorrow. So all the listeners yeah. that were trying to guide you their way, they can call tomorrow, Dave. Good stuff, buddy. Yeah. Okay, thanks very much. That good. was good. Good, good on you, mate. Dave. There you go. Dave, the inaugural, uh, the initial vault entrant. Yeah, he's made a lot of ground. He has made a lot of ground. And the thing is, he's probably done a lot of the hard work for someone who picks it up tomorrow. Um, now, here's the question, Sam. Do are I, you asking a genuine... Uh, what kind of question are you asking here, Steph? Like terms and conditions. Sure, T's and C's. So the, the caller that calls up tomorrow, do I give them the 10 that was narrowed down That's today? a good question, or should they have had to have been listening? Could have had to have... Maybe they oh, can... Kez s- says they have to have been listening. Coach K says... Captain what we K. could do, and I'm just thinking on the fly there... They, because I've got the ten questions written down, they can ask me for three of them. From oh, the, good call. They can ask. Yes, they can ask you. Give for, me, give me question number one, question number six, and question number eight. Yeah, and I don't mind that. That's their starting point. I don't mind if that. If they weren't listening, I don't mind that. Oh, I don't mind that. More coming at you from the vault. Pe- people are starting to text in. People, if you think you know the answer, you got to call tomorrow. Because the thing is, if you've got an answer in your head, and we've played this, me and you, staff, off here. If you've got an answer in your head, you, your questions steer towards the answer to use, confirm or deny. The key is use all 10 questions. Mm. Um, engineered towards what you think it was. Yep. Rather than just ring up and go, oh, it's the blah, blah, blah. And, and you know what? I think he could have, Dave could have done a few things there to to bunch questions together. So if he had said, was it a game outside of, because what do we we decided it's outside of Australia? Is it outside New Zealand as well? Isn't it? Um, it was in New Zealand, no. Northern Hemisphere, no. Southern Hemisphere didn't. Well, I thought he, I thought he, did he ask it wasn't hemisphere. in Australia? He didn't, but you've just told us. No, but I'm, I was going to say, you can ask questions like, for example, you'd say, was it in Australia or New Zealand? And if the answer to that is no, well, then you eliminate Australia AFL. You eliminate probably rugby league if, if you know it's not in the Northern Hemisphere. I see what you're you saying. You know what I mean? So you can do things like that. Where you Rather bunch, than saying, uh, he said, is it in New Zealand? And then he said, is it AFL? Or did, he said, is mm. it an AFL game? You know, you've got to be more, I think you've got to be a bit broader than that. To, oh, people will get really good at this. You know <laughs> they're going to get really good Oh, yeah, good then I'll this. make it harder. I'll make the audio harder. I'll, you know, the vault will be more <laughs> secure. <laughs> hey? <laughs> oh, I'll that just do that one more time for you, Steph. She's locked for the evening. <laughs> <laughs> so Security's we, tight. We jackpot it tomorrow. A hundred dollar TAB bonus bet. That's the hundred big ones. Hey, and do you reckon it'll go tomorrow? Yeah, I think I don't think it'd go much further than two days. Although I like the you have to have listened because then you might get someone who didn't really hear yesterday 
and is sort of starting from ground zero. That might make it punishing for all the people that did listen. Yeah, yeah, it could do. Oh, but they can pick three from me, and I've got the ten questions in order that were asked, and he can ask one through ten, whoever the caller is, or her. Mm. I'd love a her to play the vault, Kimberly. Kimberly. <laughs> yep. Or uh, is it Car- Caroline? Caroline. Caroline. Yeah. Anyone can play. Righto, that is the vault. It's going to be a daily feature, Sam. Is it Wednesdays as well? Mm, not Wednesdays because we have the chase. Oh, and we've got a short show because of the <laughs> short show. <laughs> I nearly said something else. <laughs> uh, short show on Wednesdays because we've got running it straight. But we're going to take a break now. And property brokers, the crew at property brokers have an They've enlisted me as their solitary selector to choose my MPC Masterclass Performance of the Week. And Property Brokers, not only uh, New Zealand's family-owned provincial real estate company, they also support MPC Domestic Rugby, which I think is fantastic. So this week's recipient, fingers crossed, he answers the phone. He will join us after the break. As mentioned, it is the Property Brokers MPC Masterclass Award of the Week, and I am the sole judge, and I put my judge's hat on last night, and I thought, who impressed me across the weekend? And it's this man who joins us on the show out of North Harbour. What a good story they have been this season. Bryn Gatlin. G'day, Bryn. Hey, Steffi, how are you going? Very well, very well. What a season you guys have uh, nudged together. A little bit of a hiccup mid-season. Uh, Hawks Bay, the Ramfurly Shield, and then you had to take on bloody Canterbury three or four days later. Um, that storm week for you didn't didn't do you many favours, having to take on Hawks Bay and Canterbury both away. But then I thought the game against Counties was a bit of a marker for you. They're not an easy team to beat. Your third game in, in eight days. Did you feel like something happened once the storm week was behind you? Yeah, I think so. I think, um, yeah, like you said, it was a pretty tough storm week. And obviously we put a lot of energy into that Ranfurly Shield match and falling short was uh, pretty disappointing. But we didn't have long to be able to get back on the horse and play against Canterbury away, who had obviously been a bit of a force this season. And, um, you know, I thought we were down pretty poorly against them, but came back to sort of have a chance to actually um, get a win against them. And then, yeah, like you said, that Counties game, uh, it was just all about mindset. Just we had to understand that it was a massive game for us in this in, in the season, in the scheme of things. And when you look back at big games, uh, that's probably our turning point for us and actually putting a performance together. Um that we were proud of, that we could build some momentum from. Um, so, yeah, I think that was a bit of a statement for us. And then you rounded out the season really nicely. I mean, you went to Northland, who have been one of the form teams and a, one of the hardest teams to beat at home. You put them away by about 25-odd points. Then you beat Taranaki, who found some late-season form as well, and then absolutely buried Southland again in a hard place to win, and you absolutely put them away. You've come right at the right time of the season. Yeah, I think like like you just said, uh, we know that those teams, um, you know, anyone as, as they've shown can beat anyone on the day. And um, that Northland game, it was um, tip to tap for a bit there, and we got to half time. I said we got a couple of penalties just before half time to have a six point lead. And uh, coming out that second half, um, one against Taranaki, two against Northland, obviously against Southland as well. If you can start the start of that second half well, that's all, that sort of sets you up for the rest of the game and. Um, yeah, like I said, just you know, trying to put a, an 80-minute performance together. I think that the, the games where we have lost, 
we've had a couple of lulls where we've just lost momentum and let things either back in the game or pull away from us. And um, yeah, we're just building some nice momentum going into uh, the, and the back part of our season. Our, our discipline's been a lot better. Our defense has made, taken a massive step up, and um, you know we we back ourselves to score enough points each game to win games. But defense is what wins winter championships, so we're really trying to pride ourselves on that. You've shifted, just talking about you now as a player, you've shifted around a little bit. You, you picked up, I think, one cap for Waikato and then you shifted up to North Harbour where you've established yourself up there. You've had stints with the Blues, the Highlanders and the Chiefs. But from the outside looking in, me as, as a rugby watcher, you've really grown into your skin in the last sort of 12 to 18 months. You look quite comfortable where you're at with your game now. Yeah, I'm I'm feeling pretty pretty good with where I'm at. Um, to be honest, I think yeah, like you talked about, sort of moving around. I think that was just solely based on opportunity and and trying to um, get myself to a position where I was going to you know play ten, play consistently, and um, play back to back games. And I think uh, with North Harbour, um, pretty early on, I I found myself playing a lot, and I've always enjoyed my rugby up there, and um, it's you know been sort of a successful sort of campaign for me each time but as far as Super Rugby goes uh, this year the last year like I said 12 months um, I just think that time in the middle was was what I was after and this year sort of getting that back-to-back games and playing 80-minute games and just building my confidence and sort of being able to showcase what I know I've been able to do but just be able to do it consistently has been massive for me and taking that sort of form or confidence into NPC has been huge as well so um yeah, I think just like you said, it's just a, a good feeling at the moment and, and playing that in the middle is what's helped that. Yeah, and this time in the middle and the confidence you've get, you've you've assumed a real leadership role as well and you've got some good older heads around you, but it's almost like um, unintentionally you've taken on the mantle of sort of mentoring some of the younger ones coming through and, and it's sitting comfortably with you. Is that is that a conscious thing that's come to you or it's just evolved with minutes on the park, kicking crucial goals, making good decisions? Yeah, I think it's probably a bit of both, to be honest. You know, um, for example, at NPC level, you just have guys coming and going quite a lot. Um, you've always got young guys coming through that um, are getting their first crack at NPC. You've got club players coming through that haven't played at a professional level yet. Um, but then obviously you've got a mixture between guys that have potentially played All Blacks and, 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 and plenty of minutes of Super Rugby. So uh, for me, as well as sort of being captain this year, um, just trying to get the balance right between focusing on my own game. Obviously, I know I have to perform as a 10 and as a captain to lead from the front, but then getting the balance right between, I guess, like you said, mentoring and getting guys to come along and develop them as well. And, um, yeah, I think it's probably just evolved with sort of a natural feeling, but, again, like being conscious around how I do that and how I hold myself on and off the field. And the first thing I can do is just try and perform on the field and, and lead from there and then, Hopefully the boys, you know, you gain their respect uh, off the field as well and, and, and they um, they listen to you and hopefully follow you as well. Now, I'm an unashamedly huge Manawatu fan, uh, supporter, have been my whole life, and you buggers flogged Jamie Booth and uh, up to North <laughs> Harbour. Um, tell me how he enhances your game. I was just about to say, I'm actually living with him as well. So, oh. Uh, yeah, I've got I've got Boothie uh Boothie in the next room uh, most days. So we have we have some good chats now. He's a good fella. So um 
yeah, look, for us, he was a massive pickup, uh, just his experience. Um, he knows the game really well. He knows his game. And, you know, us losing Bryn Hall, was, you know, someone who's been a massive part of North Harbour for the last, oh, almost nearly 10 years for him, probably since he started. And, um, you know, having someone like Jamie be able to take that spot uh, with his experience has been massive for us. And I think our game, just learning, you know, you sort of got to get got to get used to how people play. And I think living with him as well, just being able to have conversations around stuff has been massive for us. And yeah, he's been huge for us this year. So yeah, he has been a massive pickup. And I'm sure he's uh, um, obviously talking to some of the Turbos boys who are probably having a few beers right now at the end of their season um, <laughs> as well. He's got to wait another week for a beer. <laughs> it does. Um, and also, I wanted to talk to you about, um, gosh, the re-emergence or the re-injection of Tavita Lee. Holy heck. He, he's, he's lost nothing. If, if anything, he's a better player than when he left New Zealand. Yeah. Oh, look, we've always said he's, he plays like an all-black at MPC level. It's just um, the way he can beat defenders and... Um, you know, get get his hands on the ball, his involvement. And I just think that he's probably come back to a team that, like I said, means a lot to him and be able to just play with the freedom of just enjoying his rugby. I think that's probably the, the most thing is you see a, a big smile on his face. He's, he's loving his, his, his rugby at the moment and you're 100% right. He hasn't lost anything. If not, he's looking the best he has. I think he scored 12 tries this year or something. And um, it's often one of those things, you just give him the ball and he'll make something happen for you. And if he doesn't, your other wing does. I mean, you're blessed and, and you're back through. And Shawnee Stevenson as well. I'll pistol Pete out the back. It must be, as a 10, um, the the communication out on the field, you haven't got one go-to guy. You've got you've got three weapons out wide. Yeah, yeah. I think if you'd ask them, you know, they're just, uh, they're just doing whatever, what they love doing. And so... You know, when we when we can get the ball to them, when our set piece is working, when our defense has been good, um, and you give the guys a uh, ball in space like that, you know, they are they are beating defenders and they're making things happen for you. So um, we know we're going to get opportunities. And I said earlier in in our chat that you know we we feel like we can score enough points to win games. Um, so we have to back up our defense. Um, we just need to be better there. But um, yeah, look, it's we're pretty blessed with our back three at the moment to be able to have guys of that of that caliber carrying the ball, counter-attacking, and um, the amount of uh, influence they have on a game. I was looking at the quarterfinals this weekend, and they are just grandstand local derbies. Uh, when you've got Waikato Bay plenty replaying an unbelievable game from yesterday. Uh, Wellington, Hawke's Bay, neighbours, lots of rivalry, but North Harbour, Auckland, quarterfinal, battle of the bridge, you guys at home. I don't think your, your coach is going to need to do a pep talk in the changing room before you run out. It, it, it is all on. Yeah, hundred percent. I don't. I, you know, if you ask guys what one of the games that they get up for the most, it's always the Battle of the Bridge and against uh, against the Aucklanders on the other side. So, yeah, to play in a quarter final and obviously we played them round one and uh, we felt like we had had the sword on them early in that game and a sort of a five to ten minute lapse and they got away from us. Uh, is still hurting and I think it's in the back of our mind that you know we're going out this weekend and uh, to do a job and uh, quarterfinal rugby there is no next week if you don't get it right so yeah like there's there's no lack of motivation from our end and um, you know we feel like we've got some good momentum going into that game but um, 
yeah, it's going to be a hell of a hell of a battle on Friday night. Yeah, empty the tanks because the beauty of Friday, while it's a shortish turnaround, like a six-day turnaround, uh, if you beat Auckland and get to the semis, you're going to be the only team with an eight-day turnaround. So um, no no fuel left in the tank at the 80 minutes, North Harbour, Auckland. It's going to be an absolute ripper. Yep, uh, that's what we're sort of talking about is you don't get second chances, like I said, when it comes to finals rugby. So empty the tank, bench will come on, empty their tank, and uh, hopefully we come away on the right side of it and uh, um, and can, and can uh, keep trucking on. Awesome. Well, Bryn, um, you are my NPC Masterclass Performer of the Weekend, and if you think that there's, uh, what is there, 14 teams, and I picked you, I picked you, you, you and you've got to be good to impress me if you're not from Manawatu. So, uh... <laughs> Jesus. But buddy, honour to receive that, Steffi. Thanks for that, mate. <laughs> awesome, Brent. You're going, you're going extra. Um, really looking forward to the uh, Battle of the Bridge. Uh, keep on trucking. Keep on uh, leading that team around. You're giving us a lot of joy. So well done. Congratulations. And we'll catch up again. Will do. Thanks, mate. Really appreciate it. There yeah. he is, Brent Gatland. Just absolute one of the star performers uh, from that North Harbour side. Um, really enjoyed him playing. Like, he's been... If I try and think about the guys he's been back up to for for, for quite a long time, um, was he back up to? Uh, I think he was even back up to Stephen Donald at one stage, early early days. Um, he was behind Ehia West at the Chiefs. He's been behind a lot of players, and he's just had to move himself around. And he rightly said, if he just got a little bit of game time, which he's got, there imparts confidence and look at him go wonderful leader I think he's 26 27 years of age and I think we're seeing seeing the best of him and uh, JD just this moment texted her and said Bryn Gatlin most improved footballer in the country criminal if he doesn't make the all black A side look I'm no selector but he'd be in mine as well just good experience been through adversity come through the other side and a wonderful leader and decision maker it's his decisions and he kicks those 50 22s he kicks his goals. He makes right decisions. Just a really good, balanced head. And I was thinking this morning, looks like Chad Townsend plays like Nathan Cleary. Doesn't he look like Chad Townsend, Bryn Gatlin? He really does. And he's having a stellar season. So good luck to all the quarterfinalists. Um, and what a quarterfinal to kick us off with on Friday night. Auckland travelling to North Harbour Stadium. And North Harbour fans, North Harbour fans, go. Go on Friday night. NRL's finished. There's nothing else on. Go and support your team. They have put in a sterling effort. And you can say you were there for the Battle of the Bridge when they won against Auckland, if they beat Auckland. It's an incredibly hard one to pick. But go and support your team. The NPC is brilliant. And the Battle of the Bridge on Friday will be brilliant. We'll take some new sport and weather, and we will be back. Here's Karen. Um, I wasn't here for Show Me The Money last week, was I, Sam? Was I? No, you weren't. It was uh, the so one I over... no idea what you did. Stevie Macker. Stevie McIver. Um, so you would have been in with a big show for Show Me The Money. You could say that, although uh, Stephen says that he's not a, uh, a betting man. He doesn't even know how the point start works. But uh, <laughs> we tried explaining it to him. So um, trying to figure out where we start here. Well, first and foremost, um, our caller on Thursday um, who got to pick two legs... One of the horses that he picked uh, didn't run. 
So because of the races getting okay, cancelled. So that's so, just null and so that's void. A, that's, that's null fine. and void. So, so down three, to a three-legger. A three-legger. And by the way, he was standing to make, was it 10 grand or 20 grand, Kiz? Show me the Oh, you weren't here last week. It was either 10 or 20 grand. It was a lot of money that he was standing to make. Um, it's quite an embarrassing week for Show Me The Money. I'm not sure I really want to play anything out. Uh, but the first one uh, was Sean. This was Stephen McIver. Sean Lane to score a try in the grand final for Padamata. Um I'm not going to play all the tries out, but here are the pair of tries. <laughs> So yeah, we um, that one didn't come in, unfortunately. So uh, a bad a bad start. And then uh, we went to the Formula One in Singapore, mm. and uh, I took a bit of a power play, right? Which was um, let me was guess. Pa- let me guess. Mm-hmm. Verstappen pole and Verstappen win. No, and, oh, <laughs> no, okay. no. I went Verstappen uh, to podium. Did he? One, two, three. Ah, uh, no, he finished seventh. Oof. Uh, so Verstappen to podium. Yeah. Um, Charles Leclerc in the top six. He's and second. George Russell to finish in the points top ten. Oof. For Sergio Perez, who on the streets of Singapore wins the 2022 Singapore Grand Prix. Yeah, Perez, Charles, and Carlos Sainz. Mm. Uh, but Verstappen finished seventh. And then I think George Russell, George Russell finished 11th. So <laughs> one outside the points. Um, I hey, think, listen. If you're going to miss, miss big. Yeah, but that was, that was only like $2.20 or something. Oh. <laughs> it wasn't even that bad. Sean Lane, I think, was paying about five bucks. And then I'm going to say, probably, I don't really want to rip out our caller too hard here. Don't then. It was a bad tip, Steph. <laughs> it was a bad tip. He thought United were going to beat City this morning. Back to the drawing board for Eric Ten Hag. Manchester City, six. Ooh. Manchester United, three. Ooh. I want to know how they scored three. Because was it 6-0 at one point? They scored two goals in the last five minutes, United. Oh, okay. So, yeah, they were lucky to even, you know, get a goal. But Six for so, City. Like, that is, I would say, one of the worst show me the money's we've ever done. Because it was so far off the mark. It's because I wasn't here. That's true. Mm. So far off the mark. Like, no, no one got close. It wasn't like, oh, Sean Lane just had to reach his arm out and he would have scored. Mm. Nada. Nice. Nada. All right. Um, well, we go again on Thursday, Yeah, Steph, we and, go you know, again. We, we just, just keep lining up. I, can I make a suggestion? Okay. I reckon on Thursday, for Show Me The Money, we just don't, we just keep it real stoic, under, t- under $2, and let's just get one in. And then we reset, and we go again from there. Thoughts? I think each do their own, Sam. I think each We just do never their own. win, and it's getting depressing. And We've won twice. We've won once, and twice. we won twice. Okay. Yeah, a big one and a small one. I think won. Beaver's best has really taken off in 2022. I think he's won a couple. He's won a couple. All right, let's win one this week. Yeah, I reckon we just get one in the bag. Start the homework now. It might be 200 bucks. It might be two or 300 bucks. All right. Let's see if we can win two or three hundred bucks. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll find out what's making news around the world. Ladies and gentlemen, I've I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What's making news around the world? Had a few texts wanting to know when the quarterfinals are. So before we do Sammy's news, uh, Friday, seven o'clock, Harbour, Auckland. 
Saturday, 2 o'clock, Wellington Hawks Bay. Saturday, 4.30, Canterbury Northland. Sunday, 2 o'clock, Waikato Bay of Plenty. The river runs high and the river runs low. The river runs wide and the mighty Waikato. Anyway, okay. enough of that propaganda. Um, what is making news around the world, Mark? I'm going to tell you, it's been a busy old weekend. It sure has. And I know you're a Mila Kunis fan. Huge Mila Kunis uh, fan. Her and Aston Kutcher, right, yes. from that 70s show, ended yes. up together. Yes. Now, I don't know if I brought this up on What's Making News last year, but you might have saw, read, heard that they don't shower regularly. Did yes. we talk about that? I think we did. Well, I do know that. Yeah, yeah they don't Same shower. as Brad Pitt. Out, no, Keanu Reeves never showers. Yeah, so they obviously um, subscribe to this whole natural type yeah. body thing and yeah. um, they don't shower their kids unless the kids have dirt on them, yeah. things like that. It's bizarre. Well, another disgusting revelation <laughs> has come out of the uh, Kunis slash Kutcher household. Apparently, Mila Kunis has said that they live in a house, staff with an open-door policy. And oh. that is open-door no matter where you are. Which means the bathroom. Yeah. Which means the dunny. Which yeah. means the shower, if they're having one. It means anything. And the whole idea, apparently, is that they're trying to normalise bodily functions. <laughs> uh, there's just some <laughs> things that you shouldn't see, staff. I'll put it out there. There's some things you just, you just shouldn't see. The open door policy. Your thoughts, please. No, I couldn't have Like, I live alone and even I close the door. <laughs> well, that's because you got Ratoni, you know, scouring around. He's, uh, oh. Captain K doesn't actually know the Ratoni story. We have to fill him in. Um, did you see <coughs> Tesla have unveiled their uh, robots? Have you seen the, the robot that they unveiled over the weekend? No. Which, of course, we all knew was coming. Uh, it's called Optimus. Of course, it's called Optimus. Mm-mm-mm. Um, it's the Tesla bot and it moves and it waves and I think it even danced to some music as they played it out. It doesn't make me coffee. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> um, it, people are getting scared about it because Elon Musk said a couple of years ago that like AI is going to be like the death of the human race and mm. now he's building AI. It's a mm. little bit suspicious, mm. but these particular robots are only going to appear in factories, Okay in Tesla factories. So first and foremost, RIP and sympathies to all the factory workers because your job's basically done. Um, but in the long term, they are hoping that the Tesla bots will take on more difficult roles and transition into the consumer market where they can be used as home assistants capable of cooking, mowing the lawns and even caring for elderly people. During his talk last week, Elon Musk has mentioned the possibility of using future Tesla bots models for purely social needs, either as buddies for keeping companies, for, uh, for keeping company, or toys for a romantic <clears throat> or other purpose, <laughs> um, as you can imagine, Mark. But um, scary times. I think I robot. I think I robot people. That's what I think of. Because they you. Robots make cars now. It used to be people yes. in the Ford factory. Now it's just robots. And it says robot mows your lawns. Everyone's got those little, you know, little lawnmower things that do them on their own anyway. The so vacuum cleaners are the vacuum same cleaning. thing. Scary times. Although I would love a robot to cook me dinner. Just don't have to worry about it. Some sort of combination with that and like my food bag. So it just picks it up, cooks it. You don't have to worry about anything. McDelivery. That's a robot that makes your dinner and it drops it off to your door. What are, you, are you saying that um, people who work at McDonald's are robots, Mark? No, no, no. 
Oh, I see what you're saying, actually. Make the food. Yeah, I mean, like, go pick up the HelloFresh, come around to the house, cook it for you, and <laughs> never have to worry about it. Give you a massage. I think I'm starting to warm to the idea of the robots, actually. Yeah, they alter something to you. Now, we must address the elephant, or shall I say the bass slash groper, in the room. Mm. I got sent this story a lot over the weekend, Steph. A lot of people saying this has to be on What's Making News. Can't wait to hear afternoons talking about this. It is the big fishing controversy of uh, over the weekend in the Pennsylvania um, fishing tour. I think it was in Pennsylvania. The guy's from Pennsylvania. Have you heard about this? Please tell me you've heard about this. It's on par with the chess anal beads oh. uh, scandal of 2022. So... A cheating scandal has rocked the competitive fishing world as two fishermen were alleged to have illegally stuffed their fish with weights <laughs> and extra fillets. <laughs> Chase Kaminsky of Hermitage, Pennsylvania and Jake Runyon of Cleveland, Ohio thought they had claimed victory at Lake Erie Walleye Trail's final event of the 2022 season. $300,000 up for grabs, Mark. Ooh, so, of course, worth you're going to throw a little five-pound sinker down the throat, aren't you? You know? <laughs> Just get you across the line. Just to get you a across the line. A little bit of EPO for McGroper. Now, these guys have won many tournaments in the past, which is why suspicions are very, very high. And anger is very, very high, anger levels. Uh, the tournament director, uh, who moonlights as a police officer in the suburbs of Cleveland, brought the duo's fraudulent act into the spotlight at the weigh-ins. So they brought it up to the, I don't know how they would have known unless maybe they dropped the fish and they heard like a clonk clonk or something. Um, he sliced open one of the fish only to find uh, a lead weight found stuffed in it. So then they started opening more fish and more weights started coming out and extra fillets started coming out of other ones. And the video that's all over social media, it's on Twitter, it's on Facebook, people are giving it to them. <laughs> and apparently when he opened up uh, one of the fish and the weight fell out. He just turned to the boys and said, "You're out of here!" Like, um, like the umpire in Giving baseball. Marching You're out of here. Um, so look, I don't know if the fishing competitive fishing industry is ever going to be the same, Mark. You know, that's sort of akin to Lance Armstrong Tour de France, isn't it? It is, but especially if they've won titles in the past. Yeah, all I can think of is uh, that scene from the Tiger King where he says, "I'm never going to financially recover from this." Mm. <laughs> did you watch Tiger King? Yeah, I did. That was a great doco, wasn't it? Was it? Oh, that just, was insane. It was terrible, but I couldn't stop it was, watching. It was just carnage for yeah. like four or five episodes. Anyway, I'm keen to see where this fishing story goes because, like I said, I've been getting it sent from, uh, you know, so many different... And I actually find it ironic that the tournament director's name is Jason Fisher. <laughs> 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 Obviously spelled F-I-S-C-H-E-R. Um, you want a fact. You know I want a fact. You like broccoli. You know how I hate the word luncheon? Yeah. Yeah, another word I hate? Broccoli. Broccolini. Well, there is a thing called broccoli. I know, but it's just a small version of broccoli. Like, it's still broccoli, you know? It's like... like. So when you go up and ask for a mochaccino, go up and ask for a chocolate coffee. It's just the name for it. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, it doesn't matter whether it's, bro- whether it's not broccoli or broccolini. <laughs> yes. uh, I don't mind it. I don't go seeking it, but I eat it. You'd cook it if you had it. You'd yeah. let the robot cook it if it bought it. Oh, yeah, chuck you know. some blue cheese sauce over it and sprinkle it with walnuts and I'm, I'm in. Keith, I'm going to say this out on air, my friend, and throw you completely under the bus. If, my, if Katie is listening to this, your robot is the wife, but say this with care as it may be dangerous to your health. That's very dangerous, Keith. Keith's put LOL at the end. Lots I hope, of love. You, I hope your wife isn't listening, Keith. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'm not going to read your number out on here, though. I'll save you that embarrassment. <laughs> broccoli. Did you know that broccoli is a man-made food? No, I did not know that. 
humans began selectively breeding wild cabbages around the 6th century BC, and broccoli was the result. Wow. Isn't that fascinating? That is fascinating. Wouldn't have existed if it wasn't for humans. My fact of the day. Go on. Did you know Mm. a banana is a berry? I did know that. Why? What makes it a berry? Uh, It's to to do with, wait, hangs? No. Is it? Or? The seeds are on the inside. Oh, there you go. Isn't, and a strawberry's not a berry. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Because the seeds are on the outside. (sighs) Who comes up with the names for these things, people? Another fact of the day kiwi fruit. Mm -hmm. Do you eat the skin? I don't personally. Right, kiwi Chinese fruit. gooseberry. Yeah, okay. Kiwi fruit as a fruit, as a food source, there are 24 essential uh, vitamins and minerals that the body absolutely needs. Yes. Kiwi fruit has 23 of the 24. 19 of them are in the skin. So what you're saying is, uh, much like when you ate a banana skin live on air, oh, that was hideous. <laughs> we're going to make you eat a kiwi fruit skin. Oh, I happily do, do. It's the nicest do you, you, part of you the do kiwi. It? Okay. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I just yeah. chop the two ends off and then just eat the whole thing. Yeah, apparently it's the same with bananas. There we go. Um, um, goodness, lots of texts. Have I got time? Staffy, quick thought. I had listening to Smithy earlier talking about the All Blacks. You'd have to think bring Gatland into the All Black 15. I do. Staffy, what makes Ryan Fox win even better? It was his second round with his new set of clubs because his other ones hadn't turned up. That's true. When's the Hawks Bay? I've read out all those games. Uh, Bromwich wouldn't have been in my team. I would have selected Griffin Neem. Great squad, though. Great squad, though. Uh, I did want to mention Sammy Doyle. Uh, Manawatu legend. Uh, New Zealand Māori. Hurricanes. He, along with Lee Stensness rediscovered Manawatu rugby and I particularly remember a game that they played against Ireland nearly won it it was the Sam Doyle Lee Stensness show and very sadly Sam Doyle passed away two days ago a very long fight with I think leukaemia it was Uh, Manawatu had black armbands to remember the great man so anyone out there that's associated friends family of Sam Doyle you do have my condolences he was a great Manawatu and Hurricanes man as well. Rest in peace, you champion. We'll have a break and we'll have a look back in the day after that. Let's have a look back on this day. What are we? 3rd of October in 1920, the Dayton Triangles beat the Columbus Panhandles 14-0. What was that? It was the first meeting in the NFL, American Professional Football, 1920. In 1995, former NFL champion running back OJ Simpson was found innocent of murder charges. Uh, They took less than four hours to reach unanimous decision, and this was probably the key component. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. That is to do with the glove. He stopped taking his uh, arthritis medication, so his hands swelled up, so therefore the glove didn't fit. Guilty. 1999. Uh, Chelsea upset uh, the biggest upset of the EPL season when they beat Premiership champions Man U 5-0 at Stamford Bridge Gustavo Payet set the tone of the afternoon when he scored for Chelsea after just 27 seconds birthdays today Neil Fraser Brian Williams Gary Troop and Zlatan Ibrahimovic and if you were born on this day in 1982 number one movie was E.T. and the number one song was Haven't got long enough for that. It is a little ditty about Jack and Diane by John Cougar Mellencamp. Argentina beat New Zealand 4-1. 
at the World Baseball Champs. We'll keep across that this week. Thanks, Captain K, Sam, and all of you. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.